We are on air at Danfor Racing Radio. This is Monday night, August the 22nd, and we are here for our Watkins Glen Evergreen NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sounds Off at 10. Now, in this episode, we are going to uh, direct our listeners to where they can find the latest short track news uh, because we have three Arkham Art Series races to review in this first half hour. We'll begin with the Arkham Art Series at Watkins Glen International. Then we'll talk about the Arca West race at Evergreen Speedway. And finally, the Arkham Art Series at the Springfield Mile Dirt Race. At 9 o'clock, we'll give you some updates from the NASCAR Truck Series. They're on break this week. They did not race this past weekend. And then afterward, we will review the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Watkins Glen. And then um, at 9.30, our guest is the Arca West Series 1,000th winner, Tanner Reif, the driver of the number 9 Sunrise Ford Racing. Uh, He won at Evergreen Speedway this past weekend in the Arca West. And afterward, we will review the NASCAR Cup Series at Watkins Glen. We end this episode with the Hot Topic Sound Off conversation with the Fan for Racing crew, and we have a full house tonight, so uh, definitely looking forward to some uh, interesting conversation during Hot Topics tonight. Joining me shortly should be our co-host, Sal Sagawa. Uh, I expect him here. In fact, he just jumped on, so let me bring him into the queue. Okay, Sal Sagawa, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Sharon. Okay. I'm going to start by uh, directing uh, fans. If you want to get the latest short track racing news, I would recommend going to RacingAmerica.com and also FlowRacing.com. They will have the latest and greatest information on not just the racing that took place this past weekend, but also the racing uh, that is coming up this coming weekend and throughout the week. So uh, the reason we're doing that is because we have three ARCA races to review in this first half hour. We're going to start out, Sal, with the ARCA Menard Series at Watkins Glen. They raced Friday night, and Brandon Jones found himself in the right spot at the right time to win that race uh, when Sammy Smith and uh, Taylor Gray took each other out and opened the door for Brennan Jones to step in. <clears throat> wow, it must have been a really good race. Um, gosh, I missed it. it. Was. I was on getting ready, getting ready for the um, to go to Evergreen for the Arca race for the West race. Oh, yes, I know. You'll be able to tell us a lot about that race when we get to it. Uh, but there, it was a chaotic restart on the last lap of the race. Um, that opened the door for Brandon Jones from Joe Gibbs Racing to uh, take that victory. It was his third victory this year out of four races uh, that he has started. Uh, but Jones also said it was the first road course win ever, uh, so it was really big for him to get that win. Uh, but as you might imagine, Smith and Gray were disappointed uh, in how what happened in turn one uh, – uh, that brought out the caution flag and opened that door for uh, Brandon Jones. Okay, was this was this the Arca East race? This was the Arca Menard series. Arca okay. East didn't race uh, this week. This was the Arca Menard series okay, I didn't in think the so. Chief Showdown. Yeah. Okay. 
So Brandon Jones was the winner of the race. I'll give you the complete results here, and then you can comment on that. Brandon Jones finished first, followed by Nick Sanchez, who continues to hold that points lead. Then it was Jesse Love in third place, Daniel Dye in fourth, and Sammy Smith was able to uh, still salvage a fifth-place finish. The next five drivers were Parker Chase, Austin Wayne South, Taylor Gray salvaging an eighth-place finish, uh, Dale Quarterly and Connor Jones round out the top ten, but I will say Raja Karuth finished in the 11th place. So uh, it was uh, quite a race at uh, ARCA Racing um, for the ARCA Menard Series out at Watkins Glen uh, on Friday. Wow, that's – I can't <laughs> – I'm here and I and I don't see it. I'm on the Arkham. I'm on the Arkham and Art Series page. Yeah, you have to go down a little bit to see Brandon Joan takes an improbable Arkham and Art Series victory at Watkins Glen. Um, uh, it starts with love at Springfield. Oh, it then, yeah, so that's where I'm at. Um, so okay. again. Uh, it was a big victory for Brandon Jones. Let's go ahead and hit the point standings, though. Actually, this point standings is going to be the same uh, because the Arkham and Art Series had a double header after they raced at Watkins Glen on Friday. They uh, traveled to the Illinois State Fairgrounds and raced on the Springfield Mile on on Sunday. So the points are going to be about the same. So do you want to go ahead and cover the points now or later? Uh, I guess, you know, we can do them now. I'm, I'm here at the points. Okay. Um, so on the points, our corner art series standings for 2022. We've got um, Nick yeah. Sanchez leading the points. Um, Daniel Dye in second. Roger Cruz in third. Greg Van Alston fourth. And Tony Brenninger uh, rounds out the top five. And then from there, then we go down to six is Amber Balkin. Seventh is Sammy Smith. Eighth is Brad Smith, ninth is Taylor Gray, and tenth is Jesse Love. Oh, okay. And I'm checking to see if they've updated. They have not updated the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, standings yet, but uh, you can go to ArkhamAndArtSeries.com or ArkhaRacing.com and uh, keep an eye on that Sioux Chief Showdown. Hopefully they'll get that updated uh, with the Watkins Glen numbers. Uh, before uh, before this week is over, so but we don't have those numbers just yet. Yeah, they're yeah they're not up yet. I don't know. Sometimes it takes a couple yet. two three days. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it does take a couple days. Yeah, it was an exciting finish. They've got some uh, video coverage of the finish over at ArcaRacing.com. Again, you want, look for the, uh, the Brandon Jones. Uh, steals the Arkham Art Series victory or the improbable win for Brandon uh, Jones at Watkins Glen. And um, I think he was as surprised as anybody that he was able to get that win. Uh, but uh, you, you can see that finish over there. Uh, and uh, they did broadcast this race on Fox Sports 1. Uh, so... Uh, it was, again, a very exciting race to watch. Let's go ahead and move on, Sal, because uh, we're going to run out of time here. Uh, let's go to Tanner Reif, winning hit the 1,000th ARCA West Series win and breaking Jake Dew's win streak in the ARCA West at Evergreen on Saturday. 
you were there. Yes, that was a really good race. Um, we had a lot of a lot of young talent there. Not only was Rife uh, and and Drew, but we also had um, a newcomer, which is uh, um, Sean Sean Hangarini, who was in the um, who went and raced for Nassimento Motorsports, fifteen year old, and then also Landon Lewis, who's been setting the world on fire, racing for it, took over the sixteenth seat. But I'll tell you that race yeah. with Tanner Rife and um, and Jake Drew, boy, that was that was a those two for being teammates. They put on a really good show, and uh, it was nice to see Tanner Rife get his second win. His first win came at Irondale, and then of course his second one came here at um at Evergreen on a lot faster, bigger, and a more tougher track. Exactly right. This one at Irwindale, he pretty much dominated the race at, at that track. And by the way, Irwindale is the next track coming up for uh, the Circa West Group. Um, so uh, Tanner Wright has to feel pretty good about that. But uh, this one was not as easy for Tanner Wright to win. He had to really work uh, to get this win. But like Irwindale, he took the pole earlier in the day and then went on to win the race. So Tanner Rife uh, finished in first, then it was Jake Drew, Joey East, Cole Moore, and Todd Souza rounding out the top uh, five drivers. And as you mentioned, Landon Lewis finished in sixth place, followed by Kyle Keller, Trevor Huddleston, and Takuma Koga, along with Bridget Burgess, to round out the top ten at uh, Evergreen Speedway for the auto part, Napa Auto Parts 150. So... Um, your thoughts about ten group? I know you already gave a you know, little bit of your thoughts. Yeah, third place, Joey East. I mean, to him, for him to, that was a really good finish for him. Um, you know, I was really mm-hmm. happy to see because his parent, his parents go to all his races, and it was good to see his parents were just super excited to see you know get him. Because over at um, over here at uh, Evergreen, what they do is they take the podium finishers, so they they take they take the top three and put them on the stage. As to where usually mm-hmm. it's just the winner. And that's it. And then we take pictures, you know, the other two drivers, second and third, off to their car. But they do everything on the stage. So it was really neat, mm-hmm. really an experience for Joe East and his family. Um, Cole Moore led the first half of the race. Cole Moore was a rocket and just came in during the halftime break and ended up finishing fourth. Like you said, Landon Lewis in sixth. Kyle Keller, who's another young kid, um, rookie, finished seventh. But um, Takuma Koga, man, he's really uh, – Really having doing some year. big things this year. He's having he's having he a good is. year. And Takuma brought his he brought his family out from Japan. He oh, brought his nice. wife and kids and 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 brothers and sisters. Man, I they had a big old entourage. I was I, yeah. I told because we call him Tack. I said, dude, look at all those people. And then all these little kids running around. I thought they were all his. There's like <laughs> ten of them. And family I go, dude, members. all those your kids. He goes, no, no. Yeah, he goes, no, no, well, no, no. Just two, just two or five. But, um, Let's hit yeah. the points report before we run out of time here. Okay, so the, and the points report is uh, is uh, we haven't seen any changes in it. So we got Jake Drew leading the points. Uh, Tanner Rife, even with that second win, is still 43 points behind. Actually, he's tied with no, he's he's uh, two points okay. ahead of Cole Moore, who's in third. Yeah, and then fourth is the Tatsuza, fifth is Joey East. And then from there, then we go down to six with Takuma Koga in six, Bridget, Bridget Burgess in seventh, Paul Petroselli in eighth, Austin Herzog in ninth, and Paul Petroselli rounds out the top ten. Uh, the Petroselli's didn't race this, this week, Paul or, um, or his dad, so uh, right. that's why they 
that's why they're um they're like that. But um, uh, Bridget was, of course, Bridget was there because she could see her in seventh. But Takuma mm-hmm. Koga holding up that sixth spot is really, really impressive. It is impressive, and I, I've worked with the Tory Racing Enterprises before, uh, and did a story on them a few years back out at Iowa Speedway. And uh, I'll tell you what, they uh, was it Iowa? It might have been a different track. It might have been Chicagoland. Um, and uh, it's really cool to see all that they do with the teams uh, from Japan, and they work. Uh, they bring their crew, their crews work with UTI, uh, Universal Technical Institute here, but they also have a Universal Technical Institute in Japan, and they do a swap between those teams uh, so that they can learn what they're doing in the U.S. and vice versa, what they're doing in Japan. So uh, it's really cool to see uh, the joint cooperation between Japan and the United States and what Kumakoga is able to accomplish in the ARCA West and, uh, this season. He's uh, really having a good run. Yes, and actually, Takuma, he's with the Jerry Pitts Racing. So he's with uh, with the old uh, G. Price Motorsports, who had mm-hmm. Greg Bursley and Dylan Kwasniewski. So actually, yeah, actually, Timor is Jerry Pitts. Yeah, but but they yes, but they get I know, support. But a few years ago, yeah. I worked with Hattori Racing Enterprises, uh, and they were bringing people over from Japan to work yeah. on. I think it was Max McLaughlin's car at the time, and. Um, <clears throat> And uh, they had a, a cooperative relationship between uh, the Japan UTI, Universal Technical Institute, and the one here in the U.S. So uh, these guys, I'm, I bet, uh, I could be wrong, but I bet Takuma Koga, because he was there uh, at the time, and uh, I think he's probably brought some of those same drivers uh, with him into the ARCA West. Yeah, what he, what he brings, don't know he brings, for sure. yeah. Oh no, oh no, no. He brings the support, but mm-hmm. as far as the team, that the team is out here in California. Well, not California. Mm-hmm. They're based out of Las Vegas, but um, but as far as support, yeah, he does bring support from the Tory Racing. He does a lot of stuff over in Japan. If you ever follow him on Facebook, you'll see all the stuff he does in Japan yeah, with racing, you know, really through cool. the Tory and Adam and a bunch of other people. Yes, it is very cool to see what he does. Okay, um, so that was the Watkins Glen race at Evergreen, and believe it or not, there was a third Arkham Menard Series race, and uh, we're going to talk more about uh, Tanner Reif during the 9.30 half hour because he's going to be our guest, Sal, is that right, at 9.30? Yes, yeah, he will be our guest at 9.30. Yeah, so we'll talk more about this race uh, with Tanner Reif, the winner, uh, at the 9.30 half hour. But we're going to move on to the Arkham Menard Series now at the Springfield Mile Dirt Race, and that was quite a race. Um, they uh, raced on dirt at uh, <clears throat> at the, at the uh, Springfield Mile uh, at the Illinois State Fairgrounds. And I'll tell you what, Jesse Love came out on top, another uh, chaotic end to the race. And it brings up a question. I know uh, Buddy Kofoid brought this up. Uh, there was a lapped car that uh, took a spin on the uh, front stretch at the end of the race. Kofoid could not see 
that car. He said he couldn't see two. He couldn't see Jesse Love, who was two cars in front of him, and because of the dirt, and he ended up slamming into another Bryce Hogeberg, and uh, fortunately they both were able to walk away from that race. But uh, Buddy said, "I'm really grateful." Uh, Love said he was really grateful that everybody was okay. Uh, but I want to get to Buddy Colfoyd. He said, I'll probably be sore over the, uh, the next few days, Colfoyd said. Even when I was two car lengths behind Jesse, I couldn't see him. Having windshields makes seeing kind of tough, and the glare makes it ten times worse. I'm glad Hoggerberg is all right, and I can only assume what happened with him, but it's just unfortunate. So he's advocating to take the windshields out on the dirt track races. Your thoughts about that, Sal? You know what? They should take the windshields out because um, I've I've shot dirt races before, and um, and I've been in dirt races, and you know they only put it they only have a screen you know just to keep the rocks and debris you know from flying into the you know from flying into the um, into the uh, cockpit. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, when you when that dirt when that dirt starts to cake or the mud whatever they're kicking up, you know they can't see they don't have a wind a windshield wiper either to clean the windshield so. That stuff just cakes up, cakes up, and cakes up, and they're looking for little spots to try and look through, you know, to see, you know, what the, you know, to see what the, um, you know, what's in front of them. So, yeah, I mean, do you think they, a windshield wiper would help, or should they go to the screen? Nah, nah, they they need to go to the screens, you know, and just let that stuff. The bad thing about going to the screens is that these cars they have the big back ends, you know, behind the driver, and I think they're afraid that mud and stuff is going to cake up in there, and um, they won't be able to I see mean, behind it, well, well, they don't. You don't want to see behind you anyways because you're supposed to be looking up front. But I think what <laughs> it is is when they go through the scales after the race, the mud that'll get stuck in there. You know, it might throw it might throw a car off. You know, on, as far as its weight, um, there's there's electronics back there too. I think they're afraid. You know, that, that the mud will you know get back there and possibly you know harm the car. You know, to where it won't run. I have no idea why, but. They, they need to find something, but I don't think a windshield wiper will work because they windshield wipers hardly even work for the rain. So I mean, right. imagine mud that sticks. Mud yeah, that sticks mud, ain't gonna. Mud's gonna stick, and you're gonna. Yeah, the, mud uh, sticks. Yeah. But um, exactly. uh, it was uh, Jesse Love who ended up winning that race. He said he's really grateful that his first thought was on Buddy Colfoyd and uh, Bryce Hardenberg. Uh, he said that was wicked. I don't think any of us saw the lap car of Hardenberg. Uh, but thankfully, he's all right as well. Buddy was my favorite dirt driver growing up, and I've always looked up to him. So it's an honor to beat him today. So uh, a big honor for, uh, I know Colfoy felt that he would have had a chance had he caught up uh, to Jesse Love. And, of course, when he hit the car uh, that was uh, had taken the spin on the track, that ended his chances at getting that victory. So, uh, But it was a great day for Jesse Love. Uh, he had the same situation. He had to get around uh, that stalled car in order to get to uh, the checkered flag so uh it, it was uh another chaotic finish to say the least yeah and you know it's like you say you know it's unfortunate you know, <laughs> you know about the you know the, the crash i seen the video of it it was pretty pretty it was bad pretty um pretty yeah it was pretty nasty it was a nasty hit but you know just glad to hear you know everybody walked away you know and, and uh you know nobody got hurt 
Yes, Jesse Love did finish first, followed by Buddy Colfoyd. He was still, they still, even though the race finished under caution, they gave Buddy Colfoyd the uh, second place finish. Ryan Unsinger, uh, one of the favorites here in Illinois, came in third. Sammy Smith finished fourth, followed by Nick Sanchez, who rounds out the top uh, five drivers. Then it was Roger Caruth, Daniel Dye, Taylor Gray, Ken Schrader, and Bryce Hoggenberg, uh, who finished out the top ten. Uh, and it, really, there were only, what, three drivers that were on the lead lap. Uh, Ryan Unsiger, Buddy Colfoyd, and Jesse Love. Everybody else was a lap or more down. Yeah, it's crazy. That was a good, a good, uh, a pretty good run by the top three guys. Didn't go to lap the, you know, only have three drivers on the lead lap. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they have some good racing out there at the Illinois State Fairgrounds. I've seen quite a few of them on the dirt out there, and uh, it's always fun when the Arkham and Art Series comes into town uh, for uh, this weekend. And uh, races out there. I hope they continue to do that. There's another. They call it also an Illinois State Fair at Decoin, Illinois, uh, later on in the season. So that's also on dirt. Uh, so uh, this is just kind of a prelude to what's going to happen when they race on dirt at Decoin. And just to kind of um, give you a heads up on when that Decoin race is. Uh, they'll be racing at Decoin on Sunday, September the 4th, uh, So, and that'll be a nighttime race, which is kind of interesting, at Decoin State Fairgrounds. So uh, really, really kind of interesting. We have a Southern uh, State Fairground and then the Springfield uh, State Fairground. So uh, there's some history behind all that. I won't get into all of that, but there's two. Illinois uh, Fairground races on dirt every year. Wow! Yeah, so it's, yeah, I, it's it, it is going to be exciting. Exciting yeah, racing on dirt. Let's go ahead and hit the point standings here for the Arca. Okay. Uh, Menards. Oh, we already hit the point standings. Actually, it's the same. Nick Sanchez is at the top. Yeah. Yeah, it's Nick Sanchez, Daniel Dye, yeah, Raza Cruz, and Greg Van Alice, Tony Bradinger, the ones we read earlier. Right. If you want to see highlights of the racing that took place this weekend, go to ArcaRacing.com. They have highlights from the Atlas 100 at the Springfield Mile at the Illinois State Fairgrounds. Uh, they have a, a video of Tanner Reif's victory and um, uh, comments from Jake Drew after uh, breaking his winning streak at Evergreen Speedway. So uh, Buddy Copoid and Bryce uh, Hoggerfield, which was uh, that wreck, <clears throat> and the Reese Sweet move of the race uh, was uh, Brandon Jones avoids the collision at Watkins Glen in order to win. So uh, you can see all those videos uh, over at ArcaRacing.com. They they uh, do a good job over there of uh, keeping everybody informed. Also, the next race on August the 28th is a combination race with the Arca Menard Series and the Arca East at the Milwaukee Mile. 
that will take place on August the 28th, 2 p.m. Central, that's 3 p.m. Eastern, and it will be televised on Matt TV, which means that it's also going to be available on Flow Racing. So uh, fans will be able to watch it there. If you want to hear radio coverage, uh, they always have radio coverage available at arcoracing.com. Jay and I will talk more about that race this Thursday because not only is it Arca East and Arca Menards, it's also the next installment of the Sioux Chief Showdown, uh, the 10 races uh, that they have. Uh, for that series, the 10 races within the 20 races of the Arkham Menard series. So that Sprecher 150 next week is going to be a huge race. One race, three different series points. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> okay, and then the next race for the uh, Arkham Menard series west is going to be the Portland 100 uh, at Portland Raceway, and I believe that's a uh, road course right now. Yes, Portland is a road course. Okay, so that's on September 3rd at 5 p.m. Pacific. That would be uh, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, and that will be available live streaming at Flow Racing with radio coverage again at com. So you have all the updates on when the next races are coming up. And uh, I, I tell you what, it's getting, it's really exciting. Uh, I think all three of the races this week were pretty exciting races. Yeah, they were. Uh, just getting, um, you know, getting ready you know, for their championship weeks. You know, yep. they're going to be coming up here pretty soon. They are indeed. So uh, a lot to look forward to there. Uh, next, we're going to uh, give a few updates here on the ARCA I'm sorry, on the NASCAR Truck Series, uh, they did not race this weekend. They Their last race was at Richmond. Their next race won't be until September the 9th at Kansas Speedway, and that race, Sal, is going to be an elimination race for their playoffs. The Truck Series is already in their playoffs, and two drivers will be eliminated after the Kansas Lottery 200 on Friday, September the 9th, 7.30 p.m., and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So that's going to be a huge, huge race uh, for fans to watch in the truck series with the elimination of two drivers. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting one. You know, the, the drivers, you know, that are going to be eliminated aren't, you know, aren't going to be too happy, but... Well, we know Brandon Finger uh, has uh, punched his ticket. Chandler Smith has punched yeah. his ticket into the round of eight. Uh, what's the rest of the point standings here? The rest of the point standings. Let me see. Let me go to the where the. Um, let me go to where the. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, actually, it's Matt Crafton and has the A spot and. The other two below is Carson Hosevar, who's three points out, and Christian mm-hmm. Eckes, who is six points out. Yeah, those are the two drivers that are below the cut line right now. Uh, three points and six points is not that far out, so it is doable. Uh, but they're going to have to uh, beat Matt Crafton uh, in that number eight spot. Uh, and then the rest of the point standings, as I mentioned Two of the drivers we know are already punched in for the round of eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Who else is in? Uh, this you got Chandler Smith, Grant Infinger, Dave Smith. Uh, let's go back to the. Let me go back to the other to the other points because they have the race wins in it. Okay, here we go. So with the race wins, we have Chandler Smith, Zane Smith, John Hunter Nemechek, Grant Infinger, Stuart Friesen, Ben Rhodes, and uh, that's it. Okay, and uh, the guy with the most points right now, although it's pretty close, uh, Zane Smith has 46-point advantage over... uh, he was the regular season champion, uh, and he yeah. has the most wins. Uh, and then 43 points uh, advantage goes to uh, John Hunter Nemechek, and it goes down from there. But uh, those those top two, Grant Infinger and Chandler Smith, uh, there's no doubt they can kind of take it easy. <laughs> but you know they're going to go for the win at Kansas. Oh, yeah. Nobody oh, takes yeah, it easy in the truck series. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah. who's your pick to win? I don't know. I think last time we talked about it, I think I said possibly Zane Smith probably has a good – he's a pretty consistent. He probably has a good shot at it. Okay. So we'll see what happens. I think Christian Eckes and Carson Hosever are, are going to be racing hard. Uh, neither one of them want to be on the bottom of that cut line when Kansas is done. So uh, I think we're going to see some good hard racing. I don't think Matt Kraft, and I think he's been in every playoff race since the playoffs started, and I, I'm pretty sure he wants to keep that streak going too. Oh yeah, he hasn't he hasn't missed any playoffs yet. So yeah, I'm sure we're going to see. I'm sure we're going to see Matt Crafton up there, uh, you know, battling as hard as he could to make it into mm-hmm. the next round. Uh, Derek Krause is holding on to that 11th spot, Sal. Yeah, he is. He's, uh... Yeah, but he's, but he's, but he's out of, uh... He's out of the, he's out of the points, but he could still be the highest, um... The highest non-points, uh... The highest non, non, uh... Chase, Chase driver. And I don't know. I know NASCAR used to give. Uh, they used to give the the driver who who did make the chase who finished the highest. I know they used to mm-hmm. give uh, extra 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 money at the end of the season. I'm, I'm not sure if the I'm not sure if the um, if the truck series does the same thing or not. Okay. Um... One of the things that happened uh, recently is there was a crew chief swap at David Gilliland Racing. Crew chief Jerry Baxter, an 18-time winner in NASCAR's top three series, was on top of the box uh, for Haley Deegan. Uh, He's a veteran of over 200 truck races, and in his first year at David Gilliland Racing, uh, he moved over to Deegan's uh, team from the number 15 team where he spent the first 17 races this season. So crew chief Mike Hilleman Jr. moved to the number 15 or gray uh, to close out the season. So Hillman's enjoyed a decorated truck series tenure. He's collected 23 wins, two championships uh, throughout 16 years in the truck series. Uh, he's currently 
throughout his 16-year career. Right now, he's in his second full-time season with uh, the organization Half and Guided uh, Diggins 2021 rookie season efforts as well. But uh, he's he's now uh, working with Tanner Gray. So it's interesting to see that uh, crew chief shop there at DGR. Any yeah, it, they, um, yeah, they had to, I mean, if you're going to do it, you do it now, you know, towards the end of the season, you know, um, you know, especially, you know, when you have a driver, you know, that's not, that's not in the, in the playoffs, you know, and, you know, and as low as she is, you know what, you got to try and find something for next year. You know, you got to start fishing basically, you know, try and try and find, you know, someone, someone that she can gel with to hopefully, you know, basically get better, it's boils down to getting better race results. Mm-hmm. You know, That's you know, it's, it's not even about, you know, not even, I mean, you know, you have, you have to get better results, you know, especially, you know, with, you know, you know, the stuff you're hearing on the, um, you know, so social media, you know, about the, you know, the driver that's, that's you know, they thought she was going to be, but she isn't, you know, and they're, you know, they're still trying to find you know, find a happy medium for her. Who knows? Maybe a crew chief. I mean, the other two, the other teams are doing good. Maybe, maybe just her and a crew chief don't gel, or I don't, I don't know what it is. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting something. swap. So we'll have to see what happens. Another uh, change that took place is Chris Wright was racing for Nice Motorsports in the Truck Series. And it was announced last week that he would race for Brandon Built Motorsports in the number 68 out at Watkins Glen this past weekend. So Chris Wright kind of closing that chapter at Nice Motorsports and opening a new door at Brandon Built Motorsports. Yeah, once again, you know, I don't know what's going on at Nice because I know they have, um, I know they have uh, Carson Hosevar. Uh, Lawless Allen and and, uh, and I think they have Dean Thompson and Lawless and Dean are, are you know brand new drivers you know and uh, mm-hmm. actually they're from out here they're from out here so uh, you know Chris Pryor you know it's time to to move on you know find you know something else you know maybe okay. better team also- or. or Actually, this relates to the Infinity Series. I guess I, I, I was going to bring up something, but then I realized it was uh, for the Xfinity Series and not the Truck Series. We are talking about the Truck Series right now. Oh, so, and then they, they finally got they, they finally got a sponsor for the for the uh, Truck Series. It's Camping World coming back. They got them. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be the Craftsman Truck Series again. You know, which it was a while back, so they're bringing Craftsman back on as the as the as the sponsor, and it's kind of strange because with all Where the Where did you see that? Well, oh, this happened back in July. Oh, okay. I know it was rumored that Craftsman was coming back. Yeah, it was I didn't rumored, know they yeah. had made it official. Oh no, they haven't made it official yet. But but they but back when the rumor came out, they said they're leading they're the leading candidate. For the right, you know, for the spot, but it's kind of hard to believe because with Sears closing, you know, all their stores, and actually, when you think about it, 
Craftsman was a, a Sears product. I, I, I know they went to another, uh, I know they went to another, um, to another retailer. store, but retailer, but it's hard to think that Craftsman can do as good, you know, as, as they did, you know, in there with Sears, who's one of the bigger, you know, um, uh, department store chains. Right. Craftsman uh, was actually the sponsor when the truck series started. The Crafts, It was originally called the Craftsman's Truck, Craftsman's truck Series. Uh, so in a, from a nostalgic perspective, it's kind of cool to see the possibility of that happening. I know they're the leading candidate right now. Uh, again, there's nothing official on it. But uh, from a nostalgia perspective, a lot of fans are really hoping that that is what happened. But you make a really good point, Sal. Uh, with them not being with Sears any longer, uh, hopefully they'll be able to do as well as the Camping World Truck Series has done for the Truck Series. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be interesting, you know, see who takes over the series. You know, I don't, I don't I don't think I don't think NASCAR can can afford two series. You know. The um, uh, you know the Cup Series and the Truck Series. I you know I, I think that you know that when, whoever's the highest bidder, while well, everyone knows the highest bidder is going to get the is going to get the um, you know the uh, you know the nod you know to put their name on you know next to the truck. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting you know as we get as well, we get closer towards the, towards the NFT. You got to wonder too, Sal, if to the point that you're making, if they don't move to the same model that they're doing in the Cup Series, where it's not just one title sponsor, but a partnership of title sponsors uh, throughout the season, uh, because the NASCAR Cup Series has more than one title sponsor uh, with Coca-Cola and um, oh, oh no, no, Geico I, I and, don't, no, I, yeah. They that's, might have to go to that same model in the truck series. Yeah, but, yeah, but no, I mean, they, they probably will, but what I'm saying is that when it comes to making the stickers and actually calling the series, you know, you mm-hmm. know, even though NASCAR has, those, I mean, I mean, you'll never hear them say Coca-Cola NASCAR race is coming this right. week. You know, it's always, you know, the NASCAR Cup Series. So what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that they're going to have to find a sponsor, you know, that they can make the stickers for the cars, you know, sell the merchandise, you know, under, you know, like they did Camping World, Craftsman, you know, and all the other names that they use, you know, same thing mm-hmm. with Arca, you know, Arca, you know, Arca got Menards, even though, you know, there's, you know, they got Suit, Suit Chief, and they got, you know, all these other little tiny sponsors, but they're going to have to find one sponsor, you know, that, that's going to be, you know, basically with the headline sponsor. Yeah, I'm just thinking that they might have to go to multiple sponsors, similar to what they have in the Cup Series. Uh, because of the cost of doing business anymore in the any of NASCAR's top three series, it's probably less oh, expensive no. in the truck series. But I think oh, that yeah, they those. might have to go to multiple title sponsors and partners. Oh no, I, I mean, I mean, they'll they will do that because all the series, even 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 yeah. the um, even the SRL, you know, it's just a short track series. You know what? They have all the all the sponsors, you know, on the, on the side of the car, you know, you know. Sunoco mm-hmm. fuel, who's the tires, whoever it may be, you know. But then they always have that. They always have the one sponsor, you know. That that basically, right. you know, you know, you know. That's basically, you know, like the like the head guy. You I know, know what you. I don't know how. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I can't wait for that uh, official announcement to come out. 
uh, to see how they uh, deal with that. But uh, it is going to be interesting, and it's news to watch for uh, this week. So uh, uh, we'll definitely be watching for that. Uh, Again, I know we're a little bit ahead of time here, but I'm going to go ahead and get started with the Xfinity Series, uh, Sal, because um, I know we've got a guest coming up at 930 and this will give us some time to maybe lead into that guest. Um, at Watkins Glen, the Sunoco Go Rewards 200, uh, the race winner was Kyle Larson at the age of 30 in the number 88 HendrickCars.com Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports and the crew chief Jason Stockert. It was his 13th victory in 110 Xfinity Series races and his first victory in second top 10 finish this season. Uh, is also his first victory and second top ten finish in seven races at Watkins Glen. Now, A.J. Allmendinger finished second. That was his third top ten finish in four races at the Glen, and it is his 19th top ten finish this season, which is pretty amazing. Sammy Smith finished third, posting his first top ten finish of the year. Sheldon Creed finished eighth. He's the highest finishing rookie of the race. Sheldon Creed is starting to come on. I think he's finally doing what we kind of expected him to do in the first half of the season, uh, but I think he's gone through that learning curve, and we're starting to see Sheldon Creed get those top tens. Uh, but let me finish out um, the rest of the um, <clears throat> top ten here for the uh, for the Xfinity Series. Um, on the restart with five laps to go in Sunday's Xfinity, Saturday's Xfinity Series race at the Glen, William Byron and Ty Gibbs spun out on the inner loop. That opened the door for Kyle Larson to grab the lead, and Larson would lead the final four laps of the race on his way to his first win since in that series since 2018. A.J. Allmendinger uh, snuck by the spin, and he earned the second-place finish, followed by Sammy Smith in third, his first top-five finish of the series, Noah Gregson in fourth. Kaz Grella rounded out the top five. Next, we had Sam Mayer, Riley Earps, Sheldon Creed, Josh Berry, and Jeremy Clements building out the top ten. Um, <clears throat> Sammy Smith won the opening stage, his first stage win, it was Byron picking up the stage win in stage two. There were 15 lead changes among seven drivers and eight cautions for 23 yellow flag laps. Uh, the average speed of the race was 77.651 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top ten finishers here? Yeah, it was uh, – um, AJ is just, you know – He's always one of the favorites going in. Cause, you know, he is one of the road course specialists. You know, and of course, you know, he kept that he kept that up. You know, by by getting that second place finish. But you know, like you had mentioned, you know, Sheldon Creed, you know, is, is starting to you know come around now. You know, even though it's toward the end of the season, but um, you know, he's uh, you know, guy trying to finally finding a um, you know a, a, a handle on the car. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think then, so. you know, then, of course, you know, you got Kaz Grala who was in there, you know, who only comes, steps in, you know, for certain races. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, Noah Gregson, you know, finishing, you know, get, getting, you know, a good finish. But Riley Herbst grabbing that seventh place finish, you know, on the road course, 
He's a he's a he's not a bad little road course racer himself. It was good to see you know he's get not. it you know, grab in the top ten. Yeah, and then you know then yeah, Cole totally Custer agree. finished eleventh. Yeah, then Cole Custer finished eleventh. Uh, you know, also had had his had his issues out there with the with the car, but all in all, it was a good race. You know, a, a good win for Kyle. Um, you know, right place at the right time. You know, and um, like you said, you know, uh, uh, Ty Gibbs and uh, and I know, you know, they took they took themselves out in that spin. So, um, all right. All in all, good. All in all, good race. You know, good racing weekend. You know, for the Xfinity Series again, and, and their uh, cutoff is the same as is it the same weekend as the um, Cup Series. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they're they're cut off. They've got four more races. The Cup Series has one more race, so the yeah, Xfinity okay. Series still has four more races before they get to the end of their season. So. <clears throat> Uh, the margin of victory at this race, though, was .273 seconds, so it was a close one. Uh, there were several drivers who had incidents uh, throughout the race, so they exited early, uh, first of which was Justin Algauer, one of the favorites to win. He had an accident and was out on lap four. He, he actually had spun out. Uh, then Jeb Burton also uh, had an incident, taking him out of the race on lap eight. Uh, Patrick Gallagher had a rear gear issue, taking him out on lap 14. Alex LeBay, uh, an accident, taking him out on lap 26. Chris Wright, again, uh, driving with Bend and Built Motorsports, was out on lap 30. He had a drive shaft issue. Matt Snyder, Snyder, Myatt Snyder, had an accident, uh, taking him out on lap 51. Daniel Hemrick had a broken axle, taking him out on lap 58. Uh, and uh, Austin Hill uh, actually was running. He was several laps down. He only was only able to finish 73 of the 82 laps. Same with Blaine Perkins, 80 of 82, and Ross Chastain, 81 of 82 laps. So um, that's kind of some additional stats there for uh, the Xfinity Series. Any thoughts? Yeah, it was uh... – you you got to expect, you know, a lot of accidents, you know, uh, parts failures, you know, when you're in the road courses, especially when yep. they hit them, you know, those bumps, you know, they get a little bit of air right there, you know, it takes a toll on the, on the, you know, on the car parts. It was good to see Blaine, you know, come down, you know, and, and jump in an infinity car, you know, from his um, mm-hmm. normal duties, you know, with the, uh, with the, with the truck series. So it's good to see Blaine get in there, you know, and, you know, <clears throat> you know, get in, he got to want, 80, 80 laps he got in, so that was he was only two laps shy of finishing the whole race. Yep, that's true. Okay, uh, AJ Allmendinger still at the top of the series point standings for 16 straight weeks is what I heard earlier today on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. Who else is on that list? The driver points we have uh, <clears throat> Ty Gibbs sitting in second. Justin Allgaier in third, Noah Gregson in fourth, Josh Berry in fifth, Austin Hill, the rookie in sixth. And then from there, then we go down to Brandon Jones, um, Riley Herbst, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hamrick, Landon Castle, and Ryan Sieg with Sheldon Creed. Still, uh, he still has a, you know, a long way to go, you know, four races left. 
you know, to, to mm-hmm. catch that off. Cats out. He's only 39 points behind Ryan Sieg. So, I mean, it's a possibility. Other than that, unfortunately, that's, you know, Fredo. And he's 80 points back. But, you know, a win by Sheldon puts him in, you know, and knocks Ryan Sieg out. So, um, you know, it's not like the Cup Series, you know, where they really have a battle going on over there. You know, over here, you know, it's, like I said, 39 points to make up in, in four um, four races, you know, shouldn't be too hard for uh for Sheldon Creek and Ryan Sieg, especially when you get down to the last race, you know, if he gets close, it's going to be exciting. It is going to be exciting. Uh, next up on the Xfinity Series schedule, those next four races are Daytona International Speedway on August 26th. Uh, then we go to September. September 3rd, they'll be at Darlington Raceway. September 10th at Kansas Speedway. And their cutoff race before they start their round of 12 playoff is September the 16th, the Food City 300 at Bristol Motor Speedway. So uh, that should be uh, an interesting next four races, and Bristol couldn't be a wild card, just like Daytona. Yes, it's, yeah, it's going to be good, you know, when they start getting down, you know, towards the end of the, you know, as they start getting down, you know, who's going to make the playoffs and, and uh, who isn't going to make it. So, um Still a lot of good racing left before the playoffs. So, like I said, you know, Sheldon Creed, he's started to get a stride. You know, he could he could find his way, you know, into that uh, into that top twelve. Absolutely. Now the Wawa two fifty will be at Daytona International Speedway on Friday, August the twenty sixth <laughs> at seven thirty p.m. ET. Uh, that will be on the USA Network. They'll have qualifying three. Uh, to 4 p.m., it will be an impound race. Uh, they'll have the single vehicle, one lap, two round format, and radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Again, Jay and I will go in more depth of that race uh, coming up on Thursday night. Um, but uh, there is an article over at uh, jayskis.com about Jeremy Clements. Uh, it's by Dustin Albino. Uh, he he's uh, looking to get back on track to close up that 2022 season. Uh, there for a while we saw Jeremy Clements getting some top uh, ten finishes, and we haven't seen that for a while. So it's an interesting article to, to hear what his goal is to close up this season. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and check that out. You know, I really didn't you know look too you know too much in depth in it. So. Okay. I have to go back and see what and see what uh, and see what all that is all about. Okay. Um, okay. I'm trying to see if there's any other notes here that we want to make sure we bring up. Um, okay. Josh Williams. Is he a Cup Series or? Okay, Josh Williams, the driver of the number of the 92, is set to rejoin the team he called home for five years this weekend at Daytona for the Alloy Employer Services Driving Force. Uh, he'll be driving that number 92. I think that's in the Cup Series. So, But uh, uh, an interesting note there that Josh Williams will be back on the track. Yeah, it's funny because it has been the Xfinity. Yeah, it is. That's what kind of threw me off. Oh no, but there. no, but it, 
No, but if 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 you read if you read Dalmar, it talks about it. It says uh, Williams ran a part-time schedule for DJM Racing in 2017-2018 before committing to his first full-season Xfinity NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2019, where he claimed his first three consecutive top 20 finishes in the year-long driver's standing. Together, Williams and DJM Racing have scored eight top 10s, 27 top 15s, 56 top 20s, and 125 starts between 2017 and 2021. Okay. And they are talking about that Xfinity Series race that's taking place on Friday. Yes. So, Yeah, okay, so it is the Xfinity Series. I thought it was. <laughs> kind of threw me off. Yeah, and then, and then they had... They have a quote on him, too. He said, over the years, we have accomplished so much together. I can't wait to get back to the same great finishes we've known for, we're known for, says Williams. I know this is the right call for myself and my partners. This year has been the most competitive field in my Xfinity career. We've had our ups and downs so far, but I'm ready to turn a new leaf and get this season back on track. I can't thank the Gosselin family enough for this opportunity to come home to DJM Racing. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So watch for Josh Williams to be back in his car, the number 92, at Daytona. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Um, Again, we will uh, cover this race on Thursday night uh, for the Xfinity Series, so watch for more on that later. Uh, Sal, I wanted to give you some time here to talk about (coughs) your race or, you know, you were at Evergreen Speedway this weekend, uh, and I wanted to talk about your experience and kind of a lead-in to our guest, Hannah Reif, who's going to be here at 9.30. Yes, you know, originally this race was supposed to be a two-day race. They were going to give the drivers a chance to practice on Friday. You know, they come in, you know, and they do the, the normal practice slash qualifying you know, on, on Saturday, you know, then, of course, then, you know, then run the race. But um, they they cut out the – they want to cut out the um, the practice on Friday so the drivers could only have, you know, the you know the practice and the qualifying time on Saturday to get used to it. And a lot of these drivers hadn't been there before, you know, to Evergreen. You know, it's a whole different – you know, bigger, of course, it's a bigger track than five-eighths mile. You know, it's compared to, like, Erndale and Kern, you know, that are half miles. You know, than some of the other tracks they run at, like um, uh, All-American Speedway, um, you know, Portland, Sonoma. Of course, they run Phoenix twice a year, which is a mile track. So um, mm-hmm. this is a whole different challenge. And um, <clears throat> actually, I was surprised at how well the race was, was, was run because I've, I've been to – Evergreen before and seen other series run there. And usually there's a lot of, you know, a lot of wrecks because the track is just so fast. But the rookies really held it held it together. They did a really good job out there. Um, hats off to all of them. You know, each one, you know, that went out there and gave it a shot, you know. And um, I'll tell you, uh, Jake Drew, or Jake Drew, Tanner Rife, you know, on the on the last restart, you know, and, you know, was able, you know, to get up there, you know, and grab, and grab the the lead, you know, when the race, you know, was really impressive because Jake, like I said, the first part of the race, um, Cole Moore had the field covered. And uh, 
you know, drive for, for uh, Bill McAnally Racing. He was just really fast out, out the gate, really good. Tanner Reif did, did get the pole. Um, for the most part, the way they do the practice, they do the practice in the fastest practice lap. That's why they call it practice qualifying. So the fastest practice lap gets a pole. Cole Moore held it, you know, for, you know, the better part of the, I think it's an hour, hour and a half time they give him to do it. And then um, on his last shot out, that's when Tanner came in and uh, and, and took the pole from uh, from uh, from uh, from Colmore. Uh, so this is the second race he's won from the pole. Yes. You yeah. Know, so it was. Uh, it yeah, it was really. And I misspoke earlier. Yeah. I said Irwindale would be on the yeah. schedule. Coming up, that is not true. Uh, the next not, race is Portland. All American. And then All-American yeah. and then the Bull Ring at Vegas, and they'll close out November 4th at Phoenix Raceway. So Irwindale yeah. is not on the upcoming schedule. No. So that was my mistake. Yeah. I apologize for that. You know, but, it, I mean, he, he he ran a good solid race. He, they came in at the halfway break. You know, they made some adjustments to the car. The adjustments they made obviously were the adjustments that he needed, you know, to go back out and battle with his teammates. You know, Jake drew. Jake was fast, and and but Tanner just had a little bit more, you know, than Jake had, and um, you know, ended up with the, uh, you know, ended up with the um, with the win. Um, and it's funny because the last time that Tanner won, NASCAR follows a certain protocol for the winner. You know, you come in, they park the car, you know, they get set everybody up, they put all the sponsor. Um, Plaques, you know, on the car, and the driver gets out. Well, the first race that Tanner won, he came in and didn't follow none of that, and just got out of the car and, you know, got all excited and everything. And <laughs> and uh, so then when he won, me and Christine Walker, who's with ARCA, we were walking, you know, towards the victory where they where they were gonna, because usually they park the car, they do victory lane right there at Evergreen. They park the car on the track, and then they have the they put the victory lane. You have to walk through the fence. So this is where the fans mm. could see. So they're facing the fans. And I told Christine, right. I go, well, what's going to happen? Tanner won the race. He goes, oh, he goes, well, after that incident, he goes, we talked with Arca. We just said, you know, just let them dictate what they want to do. And she says, then, you know, after they get out of the car, they say their congratulations to the team and whoever. She says, you know, then we'll, then we'll follow the protocol as far as the, the sticker for the race winner, you know, on the trophy presentation. So it's kind mm-hmm. of neat because, you know, he went out and, you know, did his little burnout and came back, you know, got out of the car, you know, and, you know, congratulated his whole team. You know, his mom and dad were there. His brother was there. And, uh, you know, then we went out to do the thing. But he was I was just excited just, just like if, if it was his first win. A really great family. I mean, the Rice are just they're an awesome family. I do a lot of stuff for them because they also race the SRL yeah. Collate Division. Yeah. Tanner is here now if you want to go ahead and introduce him, start the interview, and then remember, I will have a few questions as well. Uh, yeah, I know, so, I know. Okay, so. Uh, so anyways, uh, we, so we have this week's, we have Saturday night's Arca Menards uh, West Series winner, uh, Tanner Rice, who, uh, who picked up the win at um, an exciting win, to say, to say the least, over at uh, Evergreen Speedway in Monroe, Washington, this weekend. On Saturday night, it was... Uh, Gosh, what a race! What a what a job by the team! But more than that, what a job by the 
identify the driver himself. With that, we want to welcome Tanner to the show. Welcome to the show, Tanner. Yeah, thank you, Sal. Thank you guys for having me. Glad to be back. We're so glad to have you back. You, yeah. So you, you got your second win at a track that you'd never been to before, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you heard all the stories about it, you know, getting out there for practice, you know, and got the pole and get the win again. So this is your second pole, second win in a row. So there's kind of, seems like we have a little bit of a, of a um, pattern going on here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've never, never been to Evergreen besides, you know, watching it on YouTube. So that was it was really cool to come to a new track, and I thought we were gonna have practice. Kind of, kind of had presu- uh, presumed we. It was a verbal thing, but it was kind of an under, uh, misunderstanding between a couple other teams in the track. But uh, we were thinking we had practice on Friday, but uh, it turned out not. So it was really cool to have the ability to come in Saturday and practice and get a good lap in, and you know, get that win. So what 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 was different from this win to your very first win? I know I know each win, you know, we talk with the drivers about their wins, you know, and the wins basically, you know, you know, there's all there's just always something different, you know, about and especially it's not so much the win, but this was a thousandth start for the Arkham and Art series, so this was really, you know, a, a, a historic, yeah, not that thousands, yeah. Thousands of win, I'm sorry. Thousands of win, but not only is it historical, but you know it had a lot of meaning because you know it had a lot of dignitary, dignitaries there, which included Ron Hornaday, who was one of the first winners in the series. Yeah, it's 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 like an it's an honor to you know win a race like that. Uh, it's it's been going for so long since I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but 1967, I believe. That's really really cool. I'm part of the series and that it's been around for so long and that I'm able to, you know, get a win in it, especially the thousandth thousand ever win, you know, it uh, kind of marks a little bit of history for the series. And I think it's really cool that uh, I could be a part of it and, you know, have those people that are, are important to the history of uh, the series. You know, Ron Horn today and Bill Sedgwick, you know, like previous drivers and NASCAR that are, that are there and they're like, they're watching and they're able to see – you know, that there's new upcoming drivers have the ability to do, you know, one-day races where they come and they're able to win on new tracks. So I, I'm really excited. And uh, this win is different from the last one. <coughs> Excuse me. Because, uh, you know, the first one was like, it was groundbreaking. It was uh, a feeling that I didn't know that I could win uh, an Arca West race. So that was a really good feeling to have. And this one was, you know, proving that it wasn't a one-time thing and that I'm able to win at a track I've never been to before. You know, it's kind of good to get back in that in that feeling, and I feel like uh, I should have maybe had a couple more in the past couple races, but it's good to be back, and it's good to have that, that, that feeling again in the in the seat of the car that I'm able to win, and, and you know, it's, it's just it's unbelievable. <clears throat> you know, not only that, but it also was a, it was a big win for – it was a big win for um, for Sunrise Racing. You know, you and your you know you and your teammate Jake Drew, you know, were battling, you know, there for the you know for the for the win. You know, and Jake had, was coming off you know the three win you know race streak. You know, and, and you know the 
of course, the headline for the week, you know, can Jake get number four? If not, who would be the driver, you know, that would um, that would um, that beat him for it? But then you also look at the powerhouse team of Bill McAnally Racing, who's for the last, you know, four or five seasons, you know, dominated the series. And now, you know, here comes Bob Brucati, you know, with his Sunrise, you know, racing team. And now, you know, you guys are the are the are the talk of the of the West Series. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's cool is I think that uh, the Sunrise Racing has won like the last three races, uh, yep. maybe four now at Evergreen over the last couple of years. So it's cool to keep it in that in that uh, cycle and not be the one to break it. Um, I'm glad that the team has such a domination of the track and we're able to keep it, you know, dominating there. And uh, I think my teammate brought it up to me the other day. I, I, like, we believe we're the, the most winningest drivers of Sunrise Racing in all of its history. We, we believe. We're pretty sure. We've won five out of the seven uh, races this season, him having three and uh, me having two. So that's that's a really cool you know, for a singular series, I think that uh, season, it's really cool uh, feeling to have. You know, it is, you know, and, and you're probably right on that because I know, I know Bob's had some, he's had some, some wins and some championships, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, in the past, you know, going back, you know, to Jason Bowles and gosh, you know, there, there's a school of other drivers, Derek Thorne, who has Derek two Thorne, yeah. two championships, you know, under the, under the Sunrise Racing banner. Um Derek also drove the the number nine, you know, which which you drove, you know, and he was he was one of the one of the drivers that you talked about, you know, that had won over there at um that had won at uh at Evergreen. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it's really it's it, yeah it's that's just it's really cool. It's it's honestly it's it's uh, unbelievable. In the the younger version of me wouldn't believe that I'm I was uh, able to do that, able to. Uh, be in the position in my life it's a just a, honestly a great feeling you know uh especially with great drivers like Derek Thorne being in the past of the of the series of the the car and the, and the seasons that he's been in and, and won in you know it's like it's it's following the footsteps of people that have come before me it's a great feeling exactly and you know with that I know Sharon has some questions so I'm going to turn it over to Sharon and, and uh and uh See if she has for you. Okay, thank you, Sal. Uh, Trevor, or I'm sorry, uh, Tanner. Thank you so much for being here tonight. It's always good to have you, especially after a win. Um, and uh, you were right about uh, Evergreen Speedway. Derek Thorne started that streak in 2018 at that track for uh, Sunrise Racing, and then followed by Trevor Huddleston and Blaine Perkins uh, for the next two visits. And now you winning this season out at Evergreen Speedway. So that's pretty fantastic. Um, uh, also, I wanted to correct myself. It's the 1,000th race. You guys were correct. It's the 1,000th race, not the 1,000th yeah. win. Yeah. So um, I mean, talk I guess, about I guess that. technically they should go hand in hand. Yeah. I, I thought about that, too, but I, I think the way they've got it worded is that it is the 1,000th race. Yeah. Um, so you would think there would be 1,000 winners in 1,000 races, right? But it's probably yeah. uh, not different winners. It's probably not 1,000 oh, yeah. different winners. Yeah. No, yeah, no. 
Okay. So anyway, Tanner, that's quite an honor all the same uh, for you to get that. And also to break that win streak by Jake True, your teammate. Uh, and you mentioned how good Sunrise Racing is doing this season. Um, uh, you got he, he didn't have any qualms over you winning that race, did he? <laughs> No, I I really hope not. He, he had a we we talked, uh, you know, obviously at the racetrack being teammates. But in my opinion, and I and I hope he feels this way is that you know he he has the opportunity to work on the cars, the shop. He he works mm-hmm. at the Sunrise Racing Shop uh, five days a week. So I I hope he feels that if he's going to be beat by a car, it's the car that he works on. So. That, I hope, is some sort of gratification for him because, you know, obviously he maintains and works on the cars and I'm stuck here in Vegas. But uh, I hope that's some sort of gratification for him and uh, there's more races to come. And, you know, I think that both of us get more one and one, ones and twos. I feel like there should have been one in the, the previous races, you know, hit, uh, either either way. Um, I feel like there's more to come. And, you know, uh, he obviously has more time to to – you know, he's not. He won three races in a row. That's a that's an, an unbelievable feat. You know, that's a really really good accomplishment. So uh, he's obviously a great race car driver, and yeah, yeah. And he had he had uh, complimentary things to say after the race. He was happy that you had a one-two finish for Sunrise Racing out at uh, Evergreen. But you guys are also one-two in the point standings now too. You're in second place. Uh, behind Jake Drew. So Sunrise Ford is having a really banner year uh, with you guys this season. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an unbelievable year. It truly has. Um, he's got a really good points lead right now, and, you know, it's there's four races to go. I believe that's what there is. Yeah, four races to go. Um, it's He's got a really good lead, and if he, as long as he keeps consistent, he's got it on lock, and I've got uh, a really good run on the rookie for the year, rookie of the year right now, and I really hope that uh, a one and two in either way uh, for the championship comes out, and that'd be because that'd be really cool for the entire team, you know. Absolutely. Now you've got Portland coming up next on September the third, <clears throat> and it will be all American, and the bull ring at Las Vegas finished up with Phoenix. Which of those four tracks do you think you have your best chance at closing that gap? Sal, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Good question. Um, yeah, I, I see. Um, I see one of your strengths is probably going to be um, uh, uh, All American Speedway. Really? So yeah, I um, All American Speedway ran that NFL series, and I've done well there. Um, Phoenix, you know, I'm still working on on one um, on one mile, my water tracks, and that's always something I want to be better at learning. So glad to race there for a second time. Um, road courses, I think I'm a good road course driver, and I think I have a lot more to show for myself for road course, especially you know with the dry track. Um, I think that's going to be a good experience, and I think I can compete there, you know, compete for a win in the top three. But uh, Vegas, oh, okay. that's my that's my uh, that's my house. That's that's where I, you know, run a lot. And it's my hometown, and won a championship there, and driver of the year, rookie of the year. That's kind of like, that's really this is this is like my home. This is where all my my friends, and my family lives, and you know, where I've raced and where I've learned to race. So, man, I really hope that 
uh, out of all the races I can pick to win, I really hope Vegas is the only one I can pull off. Okay, that's it. Well, hopefully we'll have you back before the end of the season. Uh, Sal, you can go ahead and close it up now and ask any other questions you have. All right. Um, coming to the finish line, you know, what, what what's going through your mind? I mean, is, is it that this is the thousand start? Is it the fact that this is your second win? Is it the fact that that you beat Jay Drew and, you know, and you, you know, you broke the streak, which I know between teams, you know what, it's, it's all, it's all about the win for the, for not only for, for your team, but also for the team, but the more for Bob Rucati, you know, and all he's put in, into all this, or is it the fact that you can sit back as you're coming through and say, Hey, you know, this is my second win. You know what? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm kind of in an in elite group because I do have two wins on the season. You know, and and I and I'm, you know, I'm I'm there. You know, I'm I'm here as a rookie, at that. Yeah. So what was going through my head is, man, I really hope this left front tire doesn't pop. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, definitely what was going through my head. But you know, once I getting down the straightaway, it was really just, you know, paying attention until the straightaway. You know, I didn't have, you know, you don't have a whole lot of time to think, so. Uh, car was a little bit messed up after making contact with a lap car, so that was kind of a really, really difficult situation and really scary as a driver. You know, you know that's that's your worst fear is leading a race by a straightaway and you know making contact with a lap car that doesn't have anything to do besides you know stay low. So that's kind of that's kind of a, a difficult thing to deal with, but you know it came out okay and I came out with the win. So really was just thinking is you know how much I. Uh, it means to me, how much it means to the team, and how much how happy it makes me to know that I, you know, have the ability to not be the one-time wonder and win again, and to prove to to myself mainly that I am able to win in the series at a competitive level, and you know, drive drive these cars like every other previous great person that's come before me. You know, it's a it's a really good feeling. That's, Mainly gratification for myself, feeling that I, you know, I have my entire life is led up to something that I think I can to, to drive for and to, to work for, and uh, to really hope that it puts a smile on the team's face and all their hard work comes to something really great. So what? So what changes were made at the halfway break that you know that, that you know you guys were able you know to come to you know excel over you know the BMR cars because the BMR cars the first half of the race they seem like they're they're pretty strong and then. You know, like you mentioned, you know, during the, I think during your race interview, you know, at the halfway break, you know, you guys made some changes and, you know, and, you know, was able, you know, to overcome, you know, you know, whatever it was, you know, and then, you know, to get the, to get, end up with the win. Well, you're, you're asking me to pull out the classified file, Sal. That's in the box. I know. That's in the government. No. You know what? You're sharp. You're sharp because a lot of them will, They'll, they'll, they'll just blow hot air up my butt. You know, some will say, but most of them will just make up something, or most of them will just avoid the question. You are sharp, I'll tell you, Tanner, man. You're, no, you're, you're, was, you're, you are you're good. <laughs> it, was, it, was nothing, it was nothing magical, but, you know, Jeff Schrader is a great crew chief, and he knows what to do. The car was tight in the first half, but um, I made adjustments as a driver. Uh, this track, you know, learning that, obviously, is that, once you start missing your corner, it's really hard to get back because you heat up the right front tire. Once the tire is heated up and you start fading away, you can't start making those corners again. So um, it's it's just not missing your corners because once you start not missing your corners, you know, 
you got to back it up and you got to keep it down low because once you do that, the car stays more consistent, stays faster. Um, but obviously, the car was a little tight in the first half, and Jeff Schrader made some. You know, any great racer and any good good crew chief would make you know the same base the basic adjustments. There was nothing special. Just you know, it's the knowledge to do so, and it's the uh, the power and the, the just know when to do it and what to do and not to do too much. So Jeff made a great call on a tight car, and I had to make some adjustments as a driver, and I we came out with a really good lead, uh, a really strong car. Now this this is uh, the fun part of the show. Is there anybody that you want to give a shout out to? You know, I know you I know you got some sponsors, you know, besides um well, it's not Sunrise Ford anymore, Sunrise Racing. But I know you have some sponsors on your car and I'm sure you have a team, you know, that you want to give a shout out to, you know, that that you know, excelled, you know, to put you in victory lane this this past weekend. Yeah, you know, um mainly I wanna thank, you know, my crew, Jeff Schrader, uh my spotter, David Cooley, he did a great job all race, you know, keeping me out of trouble. He honestly didn't, he, you know, he, you can only see so much when you're in the car. So he does a great job of keeping me up to date and what's going on. Um, you know, my mom and my dad couldn't be here without him. My grandparents, you know, for always supporting me and what I do. Um, also want to, uh, you know, thank my sponsors, you know, Biggest Faster Manufacturing for all the great support that they give us. And uh, and Adonis Apparel for all the cool T-shirts and hats and everything like that. And Stewart Farms for their support. And, you know, all the fans and everyone that really, you know, sends nice messages and, you know, keeps you you smiling all day long. You know, all the photographers and everyone that makes it happen. It's, it's, you know, racing isn't isn't about the drivers. It's about everyone that makes it happen. So that's really really the big thing is, you know, you, Sal, and people that do podcasts like this and, it's it's honestly that's what makes the sport because if it was just people driving in circles then no one would come. <laughs> that's true. You know, Tanner, I just want to say thanks again for me and sharing you know, for coming on the show. Um, once again, congratulations on a great win. And, and on a side note, David Cooley has a lot of experience at that track, so you know what? It was a win-win situation having you guys picking up as a spotter because everybody knows that he's Derek Thorne's spotter. And Derek, you know, he, you know, he does his summer showdown up there. He's done other races there too, you know. So I mean, you know, Cooley is really what heck of a guy. We're doing a little series on him, you know, also with the show. But um, you know, I, once again, I just want to say thanks again for coming on the show. Congratulations on your second win. And uh, we won't see you in Portland, but we'll see you at the rest of the races. And actually, we'll see you in Irondale for your for back in your pro late. And uh, you know, uh, thanks. Thanks again for, and like I said, a huge congratulations on the win and, you know, keep the winning streak going. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me again. Love to be on the show. Thanks, Tanner. And Thank congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Tanner Rice. He is the driver of the number nine Sunrise Racing Ford, uh, and he won the 1,000th race uh, in the Arkham Menards West. So uh, very exciting to see that happen. He's having a great season. Sunrise Force in general is having a great season. Uh, and Tanner Reif as a rookie is uh, a part of that this season. And uh, I didn't get a chance to ask him, but uh, I hope we see more of him next season. Oh, yeah, we will. We will. Okay. Um, that's, I, I, you know, and actually we'll, we'll, we'll get him on again before the end of the season. And then you know, then we you know, then we can you know, like towards the end, 
you know, when, you know, when the season's almost over, like maybe, like, like after the Vegas race, because then they got Phoenix left, and then by then they'll be more, they'll know more about what they're going to do for 2023. So, because I, I think they're still working on some, ironing out some things this year, because remember, Bob Riccati has been coming back with uh, Sunrise Racing. This is Bob Riccati's last year at Sunrise Racing. So that's I don't know right. who's going to take the team yeah. over or, or what's going to happen. See, so that's what I'm saying. Probably by Vegas, after Vegas, I'm sure Tanner and the, and the Rice family, you know, they'll have, you know, they'll have everything almost set in stone on what they're going to do. Plus, well, we should know what's going to happen with Sunrise Racing. If somebody's going to buy the team and keep it going. You know, there's rumors out there already, you know, on who might buy it, but, you know, that's, stuff you know that i'm not i'm not gonna stay you know but mm-hmm. when me and you are yeah, alone i'll, I'll tell it i'll, we'll I'll wait for you the in. official announcement yeah yeah <laughs> well I'll, I'll see you in when we're alone oh okay sounds good <laughs> okay well that was great talking with tanner mm-hmm. rice again and uh i'm definitely looking forward uh to having him back we're going to move on now to the uh nascar cup series they raced at watkins glen this weekend and it was a sweep for kyle larson uh he won the 36th annual gold bowling at the glen in the number five hendrick cars.com chevrolet for hendrick motorsports with crew chief cliff daniels uh it was his 18th victory in 284 cup series races uh, his second victory in 13th top 10 finish this season, and the second victory in fifth top 10 finish in eight races at the Glen. He won the race at Watkins Glen International also last year. A.J. Allendinger, another second for him this weekend. Uh, it was his seventh top 10 finish in 11 races at the Glen, and his fourth top 10 finish this season. Joey Logano finished third, posting his sixth top 10 finish in 13 races at uh, Watkins Glen. Austin Sendrick, who finished 13th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, this was an exciting finish, to say the least. Uh, I think there were some hurt feelings, but I think both drivers uh, handled themselves very well. Uh, so for two consecutive days, Kyle Larson took the first lead of the race with five laps remaining and held off the road course ace and fellow Californian A.J. Allmendinger for the trophy. Uh, Larson completed a rare weekend sweep at Watkins Glen International on Sunday afternoon with that clutch win, and uh, he made a dramatic pass on his Hendrick Motorsports teammate, Chase Elliott, on a restart with five laps to go. And uh, as the race leader, Elliott got to choose where to line up alongside Larson for the green flag, and he chose to start on Larson's outside setting up a dramatic contention for the position. I I think it might have ended differently had he chosen the inside, Sal, but we'll talk about that. Uh, He won uh, the race for his second win of the year. Uh, He also won at Fontana, uh, the 18th win of his career. Then it was Almondinger in second, as we mentioned, Logano, Elliott, Suarez, Michael McDowell, Tyler Reddick, uh, Christopher Bell, Chris Busher, and Alex Eric Jones uh, rounding out the top ten. Uh, the pole winner was Chase Elliott. He clinched, also clinched the regular season championship. Kimi Raikkonen uh, in the number 91 uh, took part in his first Cup Series race. He finished 37th after an accident on lap 46. 
they had a late start because of a couple of lightning holds uh, and poor visibility prevented an on-time start. Uh, the, tween, the team started on rain tires uh, because of wet, wet conditions and then changed to slicks. Uh, stage one was won by Chase Briscoe. Stage two by Joey Logano. There were 12 lead changes among nine drivers, five cautions, and 11 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 95.962. Your thoughts about those top ten drivers? Yeah, that um, that was I tell you that was one heck of a finish. Um, uh, AJ Allmendinger just didn't he didn't just he didn't have it, you know, to catch Kyle mm-hmm. Larson. Kyle Larson was I was obviously see that Kyle Larson and, and Chase Elliott were the were the class of the field for this weekend. Even though Joy Logano, you know, he he made a he made a good strong run at it. But man, Michael McDowell, you know what? He had he had a really good you know you got to really look at that at that finish sixth and and. Chris Boucher, you know, in ninth. He's having a great. You know, I, I'm, yeah, you know, and I know everybody's looking, you know, at the at the big names, but you know what? Um, when you come to these road courses, for some reason, Michael McDowell's name it it always Shows up. It, it always pops up somewhere, somewhere in the um, in the um, excuse me in the in the top ten, yeah, and. Uh, you know, then you know to see, uh, you know, Chris Boucher, you know, you know, get a, a good finish there. You know, of course, Eric Jones, you know, who who's going to have a new teammate next year, and, and Noah Gregson, you know, grabbing mm-hmm. that top ten spot. Cole Custer finally having a good run, you know, at eleventh. I know he was yeah, happy that with was that. Good to see. Yeah, it was good, you know, and um, but man, that Kyle Larson, um, uh, Chase Elliott, you know, I I liked the interview at the end. <laughs> Both of them Chase gave uh, very good interviews. Very professional. Oh, Chase! Chase was Chase was ready to rip into him, but I think when he, when Rick Hendrick <laughs> and Jeff Gordon went over to him, and I, I think mm-hmm. they told him, "Hey, you know what? Let's just hash it out at let's hash it out at the media box at the shop on Monday. You know what? Let's you know let's keep it classy, and you know if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say it. You know what? But remember, you know we're a team. We're win as a team. We lose as a team. You know what? And just think about all the other drivers that finished way behind you, but mm-hmm. Chase ain't like that. I I know I know Chase wanted to rip them, <laughs> and I can imagine they probably have a boxing ring set up at Hendrick Motorsports where they're going to yeah. go at it, you know. And that's you know, but um. Yeah, we're going to talk know, about it what, in hot topics tonight, Sal. Yeah. You're welcome to stay on if you want. Yeah, I I told you we're in the middle of, of cleaning this house so we can sell yeah, it. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I, you know, on on another quick note, you know, hats off to to Kyle Larson again for stealing a win from his teammate and not doing the big massive burnout. You know, just pulling in the victory lane. You know, get the flag. You know, yes. let's get it, let's get it over with. You know, so yes. I mean, that was a real classy move. That showed a lot of respect. Well, I think Chase you know, Elliott has to remember he's won races that same way, and he's raced yeah. team members that same way. So. It, it, you can't be aggressive and not expect to have drivers be aggressive back. Yeah, especially towards the end of the season like this, even though they're both already in. Yes. You know, they're fighting yes. for the win. They're both young. They're both young. I mean, they're 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 young drivers. You know, Kyle's never had this opportunity before to win races like this. When he was with um, with uh, Ganassi, well, he didn't have these. We got to hit the point points. report real quick. Okay, yeah. so the points were, <laughs> we're we got Chase Elliott leading the points. Chase Elliott leading the points, Kyle Larson, Brian Blaney, Joy Logano, Ross Chastain, Martin Truex Jr., 
Christopher Bell, and Kevin Harvick round out the top eight. And then from there, then we go down to Kyle Busch, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Daniel Suarez, Tyler Reddick, Danny Hamlin, Austin Sidrick, and Chase Bristol round out the top 16. Yeah, but really, the two drivers the the, that are on the bubble. Yeah, okay, you were going to say it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. The the two drivers on the bubble is really Martin Truex Jr. and uh, Ryan Blaney are the two. Yeah, and and uh, you know what? And like they said, anybody can win. We've seen Harvick win two already. So anybody mm-hmm. below that can grab a win and knock Blaney out. And, and then now we have a full field of 16, which I think would be awesome if someone else won and we had a full a full legitimate 16 drivers. 16 different race winners. Yeah, different race winners, and each one has at least won a race. I think that would would be great. Great This would be the first year that that would happen, I think, Sal, where we would have 16 different race winners if a new race winner comes up at Daytona. Um, And uh, you can be, what, Ryan Blaney's third in the series point standings, and he might not make it into the playoffs. Yeah, Martin that's Truex true. is sixth, and he might not make it into the playoffs. And that's a shame. I hate to see that. But at the same time, the whole concept of the uh, uh, win and you're in uh, playoff format was that they wanted to place the value not on the consistency, but on winning the race. So, And that's yeah. why I think a lot of these drivers have been so aggressive. Yes, exactly. Okay, we exactly. are uh, at the top of the hour. Are you uh, going to be at a racetrack this weekend, Sal? No, not this weekend. But um, okay. uh, come come October, it's going to be a uh, – September I'll be at a couple. But come October, it's going to be a uh, – October, November, December, it's going to be a, a big thing. I don't know what we're – actually, I don't even know what we do this weekend. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> probably, pro- probably recover from last weekend. <laughs> Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and get into hot topics, and and you can take a look at your calendar and figure out what you're going to do next weekend. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Sal, for everything. Okay, everybody. Everyone have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you next weekend, next next Monday. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Sal. Okay. Goodbye. Uh, Okay. Okay. It is time now for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and joining us for tonight's show uh is uh let's start with andy lasky welcome back to the show andy hey how's it going guys we've got a string going here we're gonna have to start uh, counting our streak of, of andy i on know Hot yeah Topic. this is um this is a good thing i think this might be three or four in a row it might be a record i'm not sure <laughs> but uh, uh it'll be fun to talk about some stuff tonight uh this weekend was pretty wild so should have plenty to chat about here Absolutely. Also joining us is uh, our Thursday night co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, thank you, Sharon. Uh, I don't know if you renamed it. Is it just one hot topic tonight, just one, <laughs> or is there still multiple hot topics? <laughs> well, we'll have to kind of see how things go. But, Mike, you've got a streak going as well. Welcome back. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's like three or four in a row here. This is great. Uh, I will say my connection doesn't sound great on my end. I'm not sure if it's my phone. Can you all hear me okay? We can hear you okay. I can. Okay, good. I'll, I'll, I'll try and you, – you all are coming in for me a little broken and, and staticky, so if I miss something you all say, 
Um, I'm just going to blame my bad connection for that. Okay. Well, hopefully it will get better as the night goes on here. Andy, I'm going to have you come up with our first hot topic here tonight. Yeah, and I'm going to steal, not necessarily steal this one from Mike, but he just posted it, and uh, it, it was something that he and I discussed yesterday in the race thread. Uh, but the whole win and you're in playoff format, obviously, uh, a long time ago, probably 18 years ago or so, 19 years ago, I think it was, um, NASCAR revised the the whole you know championship format from just straight up points to the the playoff mentality of placing emphasis on winning races to secure your spot in what was then known as the chase, now known as the playoffs, of course. Um, this year we've kind of exploited the fact that some good teams may miss the playoffs because of their failure to win races. So is it time for a revamping, or do we keep things the way they are? Okay, Jay, you get to go first on this one. Make sure I'm off mute here. Um, this is a tough call. I, I liked when they changed it, and I wasn't necessarily against the old format. I do think this new format provides more fan interest and better exciting racing. I understand it's led to, uh, you know, and I'll try not to get into the other topic uh, here for tonight, <laughs> but it does lead to, lead to aggressive driving, taking more chances. Uh, we've heard it from Joey Logano, Ross Chastain. I think Kyle Larson's comes into play, and we'll get into that when we talk about that situation. But because of the playoff points, um, Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex are the two that we're talking about when it comes to absolutely top at the consistency board. Uh, uh, Ryan Blaney's second in points but doesn't have a win and is on the bubble of being knocked out if we get a new winner at Daytona this weekend. Martin Truex already on the outside. Kevin Harvick was on the outside with that uh, prior to, picked up a couple wins, and now we're talking about him being a championship contender. So uh, it, it's tough. I, I, I'd i hate to see Blaney or Truex not be in the playoffs. Um, one of them probably – actually, one of them won't be, possibly both of them. But – and I say that because obviously there may be uh, teams that got the one win and haven't done much else, and they're going to get knocked out top probably in that first round or so of the playoffs. But that you also want to see that, that win. I mean, that's, that's what proves the, the, you know, the Patriots. I think for the NFL, they went 18-0. and 0. They didn't win the Super Bowl. So they're 18-1. and 1. I mean, and aren't the champions. Uh, it's a tough line. I think it's at a pretty good set right now. I, I wouldn't be opposed to maybe doing something and they also tried to reward consistency during the, the races with the stage points. So, again, you have a, a good race, just not the, the best finish. Um, that's why Ryan Blaney and, and Martin Truex are still in it. So I, I really think it's a good mix. I understand this year, especially with the new car, we're seeing that. Um, is that what leads to some of the more on-track aggression? Could be. Um, but you also the fans are, are thrilled about that. I mean, Look at Jeff Gluck's. I know Mike likes to use those. Of have have been good races. Been seeing a lot of good race reviews on that as far as the fans. So I think we're in a good place. But I, I wouldn't be opposed to maybe seeing some tweaks as far as the consistency issue. Okay, Mike, your thoughts. 
Yeah, Andy and I were discussing this yesterday while Michael McDowell was leading the race. And this wasn't anything against Michael McDowell or the 34 team at all. Uh, if they had won that race, that obviously under the current playoff format, they would have been entitled to enter the playoffs. However, the discussion really came down to, does anyone legitimately think that Michael McDowell would have a better chance of winning the championship than Ryan Blaney? And objectively, just based on how the teams have run this year and historically, it's really hard to make a case to say that Michael McDowell, even if he'd won yesterday, would have a better chance of winning the overall playoffs than Ryan Blaney, the driver he would have displaced if he had won that race. And kind of the compromise solution that we were talking about was maybe instead of having all 16 slots available to race winners, maybe change it so it's the top 10 race winners and then six slots to the next highest points finishing drivers. If those drivers happen to have wins as well, they can occupy those slots. But it gives an opportunity for drivers who have had very strong, consistent seasons like Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex but haven't found victory lane. I think both Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex have a better chance of going the the distance and winning the championship if they were to be in the playoffs versus even drivers who have race wins who are currently in the playoffs, like uh, Chase Briscoe would be a good example, Austin Sindrick, those kind of guys who, yes, they have a race win. Yes, they will be in the playoffs, but I don't think their chances of winning the championship are as good as a Ryan Blaney or Martin Truex, who at least one and potentially both will not be in the playoffs this year by virtue of not being able to get a race win during the regular season. So in the interest of having the very best playoff field of the 16 drivers most likely to have a chance of winning the championship, I think that's one change that could potentially benefit the sport and improve the quality of the overall playoff field in general versus just having that wild card one-off race win gets you into the playoffs and potentially displacing a stronger, more consistent, but winless team who has a more likely chance of actually winning the championship. Okay. I think we have to go back and remember why they put the playoff format into place or the chase format. Uh, a lot of people called it the Matt Kenseth rule because he uh, won a championship without ever winning a race. And people didn't like that either. They wanted their champion to have a race win. And uh, NASCAR felt the same way, and so they put the chase format and the, ultimately the playoff format into place. Uh, it's kind of one of those things you're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't. I think we're at a good place right now. Is it disappointing that two really good drivers, Ryan Truex, Ryan Truex, Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr., uh, may not make the race? It happens in all the sports. Sometimes your number one seed gets knocked out in the first round of a playoff. So that happens. Um, and and it is all about winning, and that's what the fans said that they wanted. They wanted to see race winners uh, be in the playoffs. Now, I know that Michael McDowell right now is 24th in the points. Uh, Kurt Busch is 22nd in the points. Bubba Wallace, uh, one of the favorites uh, to possibly win at Daytona, he's 20th in the series point standings. So your point's not lost on me. I get what you're saying. 
But at the same time, if they win, they've earned their way into the playoffs and to have that um, exposure for their team and their sponsors. And and that's what this is really all about. This is a business. It's about giving teams uh, exposure. And we wanted to see new names in that top 16. And we definitely do see some new names in that top 16 this year. And um, so I think NASCAR has accomplished what they set out to do. Um, this is the first time that we have the potential of having 16 different winners uh, or possibly just one uh, that doesn't have a win that's going to be in the uh, playoffs. I think it would be interesting if Ryan Blaney uh, ends up uh, getting a couple of wins during the playoffs and ultimately wins the championship. I'm not sure that that's what's going to happen, but I think it would be an interesting storyline. But uh, I I do think – uh, that NASCAR has accomplished what they set out to do with this uh, format. And so I really don't see um, – I'm trying to think of what changes I might put into place. I, 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 don't, I don't think – I think it's created a lot of energy and drama around uh, what's happening in the Cup Series this year. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, with the uh, Gen 7 car, too. So uh, all created to create more parity within the series, uh, and that's being accomplished. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, you bring up a good point, Sharon, about why this format was created in the first place, and that was to place emphasis on winning races. Um, To reference that season in which Kenseth won the championship, he did win a race that year, uh, Las Vegas, in 2003, but it was his consistency and, um, you know, good finishes right. throughout the year that ultimately allowed him to win that championship. Um, but that was back during an era when, you know, the best drivers would oftentimes win five to six, seven races a season. So people got, you know, kind of frustrated by the fact that he, you know, won by only winning one race, and he rightfully won that championship, no doubt. Um, but that's why this whole chase-slash-playoff format came to fruition in the first place. So I like the format personally, but, you know, I, I will say that um, it is it is a bit disheartening to think that drivers like Truex and Blaney may not make the playoffs, but the, um, you've got to win races, you know, and quite frankly, we shouldn't even be having this discussion. Truex and Blaney are more than capable of winning races, and they just haven't done it, you know, for whatever the reasons may be. So, um, you know, the fact that they're in this scenario, it's kind of on them as the teams for, you know, both the 12 and 19 respectively, because, you know, if they're really that good, they should be winning races, and they're just not. So, I mean, um, it's unfortunate. They're they're elite drivers and elite teams, both capable of, of going very deep into the playoffs, but they just haven't got the job done, you know, to secure their spot. So, um, you know, the rules are the rules and the format is what it is. And, you know, I I personally don't have a problem with it. I, I think that all these teams know what they've got to do at the beginning of the season, and that's to try to win races. And, you know, I will agree with Mike that there are some teams that, you know, unless they get their act together and things change, are probably not going to go very far into the playoffs. But, you know, the fact is four drivers, no matter what, have to get eliminated after that first round. So it's just the nature of the format, you know, and eventually we get to the the best four that will compete for the championship at Phoenix in November. So, um, you know, the rules are what they are. We know what the format is and, and, and how the playoffs are set to work. And I really don't have an issue with it. You know, I, 
I think that um, the emphasis is on winning, and, you know, that's what creates these, these crazy moments like what we're about to see at Daytona this week. <laughs> I think, you know, it's it's going to get pretty wild, and, and, and who knows, maybe – Maybe it's Martin Truex Jr. or Ryan Blaney that win that race, and then they they both get in. You never know. So, um, but they know what they've got to do. You know, if they want to try to secure their spot, and let's go. Hopefully, win this weekend. And and once again, it all boils down to, you know, that emphasis being placed on on trying to get those race wins. Okay, Jay, your follow up. Well, I apologize. Uh, my headphones fell out. I, I think I heard Andy say it there to correct it. Um, Matt Kansas did win one race yeah, um, right. that year. I know that discussion came up on Sirius XM uh, Speedway with Dave Moody. He did win one race. But that was the reason, uh, ultimate reason for that change, as you said, called it the Matt Kenseth rule, if you will. The one thing um, when I look at with what Mike and Andy talked about in, in the race thread I don't like taking away from somebody that did win a race. So I don't like that the idea of the top 10 only and then points whether you have wins or not. Um, I would be okay with the top 16 if we have a full field of winners. If you're in the top 16 but don't have a win, such as right now um, Martin Truex and Ryan Blaney, adding them and having 18 start the chase, um, but still that first round still eliminating down to 12. The other thing I've always felt is, and, and we, we may have that, well, we won't have it no more, but the possibility of it, if there are 17 or 18 race winners, letting all 17 or 18, you know, the win does bring you in. The 16 would be if we don't have 16 winners, it's full, fill it up at 16. If we get more than that, Based on number of wins, so be it. We start with 18, 19. Um, I'd be okay with that. The If it were to be you don't have a race win but are in points such as Ryan Blaney right now and Martin Truex, we get a 16th different winner. They add them to the tail end. You don't get to uh, accrue any playoff points. You have to start at the bottom behind those that have wins. And the one thing I know with what Mike was talking about, though, Michael McDowell, that team, uh, Austin Sindrick is another one this year, wins that Daytona 500. You don't know when a team can go on a hot streak. We saw it here with Kevin Harvick, went back-to-back victories. So you can't take that away from a team like um, Michael McDowell's team at Front Row Motors because you don't know when they're going to hit on something. And if they locked in early in the year, Maybe they are setting stuff up for the playoffs. So, I, again, I don't want to see that be something taken away from a team just because another team is a little more consistent week in and week out whether they're winning or not. And it does go back to what Andy said. These teams are capable of winning. I understand especially Blaney's had a couple uh, close calls on him being the Daytona 500 uh, teammate. Uh, gave him a little nudge. Uh, that will be, again, the next hot topic. Uh came to mind of we saw that at the Daytona 500 uh, you know it was teammates that gave a nudge and one of them won and one of them didn't okay Mike your follow up 
I like the playoff format the way it is in terms of the 16 drivers and the, the, you know, the four rounds of eliminations and whatnot. What I don't really want to see is arbitrary additions. There's a lot of criticism about the 2013 season because of the scandal at Richmond where they, I wouldn't say they arbitrarily added Jeff Gordon into the, into the playoff picture in 2013, but it was seen as a, kind of a, a last-second change to the rules that wasn't really clearly articulated as being a possibility. So having this wild card of, well, maybe we're going to have 16, maybe we're going to have 18, I don't think that inconsistency, I, I don't think that's the road that we should go down. What really the, the, the 10 locked-in playoff win drivers and then the additional six, kind of like what I was talking about, really what that would do is create two separate cut lines at this point. If you want to talk about adding drama and intrigue and storylines, well, that would do it right there because you would have – the cutoff line for being the uh, being locked into that top 10 winners, and then you would also have that cutoff line for the top 16 as well. So you'd really have two separate cutoff lines to talk about for storylines and whatnot. And really what it comes down to is do we want to emphasize winning over everything, which is kind of what we have right now, or do we want to balance that out a little bit more and, uh, and reward at least some degree of consistency and ensure that we have the 16 drivers who are most likely to have a chance at winning the championship eligible for that playoff run to go win the championship. And NASCAR hasn't been averse to making tweaks and changes in the interest of consistency and rewarding um, things like regular season performance. For example, look at the regular season championship format that they introduced a couple of years ago where, yes, you still have to qualify for the playoffs, but you now have this regular season points format that rewards finishing positions in the regular season with playoff points. Chase Elliott just locked up the regular season championship, which it doesn't mean anything in the playoffs per se, but because of his consistency and, and strong performance in the regular season, Chase Elliott gets 15 additional bonus points to carry into the playoffs to reward that consistent performance in the regular season. And that's a change NASCAR only made a couple of years ago because of feedback from drivers and fans that said, we want to see performance in the regular season still be important versus a team just getting a win and then basically going dark through the summer, kind of like the 48 team with Jimmy Johnson was famous for doing, and going completely into R&D mode and not being competitive at all once they got that first race win. So in the interest of consistency, I wouldn't want to see any kind of arbitrary, well, we're just going to put in however many drivers we feel we want in there. I want to see a consistent format from the start of the season applied throughout the season, but I think in the interest of having the strongest playoff field at, that we could possibly put together of 16 legitimate championship contenders, I think there's some improvement that can be made there and giving that opportunity for drivers who maybe don't win but have that consistent performance, the opportunity. We don't know that the 12 team, maybe they get bumped out and then they win five races in the playoffs. Well, they don't have the opportunity because despite finishing second in the regular season points, they get eliminated because, for example, Michael McDowell wins this weekend at Daytona, and the driver who won five races in the playoffs didn't get the opportunity to race for the championship despite having a stronger regular season performance, despite not having a win. They were out, and the one driver in the mid-20s in points scored that one win in the placement. So that's kind of the, the balance and consistency that I'd like to see. Yeah, I 
I I like it the way it is, to be perfectly honest. I think it's good the way it is. I I do hate seeing I, – I like my Martin Truex Jr. and Ryan Blaney. I'd love to see them in the playoffs. But they've had 26 races to get a race win, and they haven't done it. That's a lot of races to not get a race win. And, and so to reward them by being in the playoffs, I think, is sending the wrong message when the whole purpose of putting the playoffs together – uh, and the winner you're in format, uh, it, it kind of contradicts that. I would be maybe open to saying if you're in the top three and you've had no wins, then you can be in as that extra person. But the problem with that, uh, and, and why I'm, I'm not totally for this, <clears throat> the problem with that is that what if you have more than 16 winners? So now you've got uh, somebody who's in the top three and they're in the playoffs, uh, but you've got 17 other race winners. So, again, you don't have that knowledge in, of how many uh, drivers are we actually going to have in the playoffs. I think you'd also have to eliminate, let's say, Instead of eliminating four in the first round, you'd have to eliminate uh, the five or six or whatever that number is in that first round uh, and then move on from there with the regular format. So um, it's great for these guys to get exposure. I get that. Uh, They've had the 26 races to get their, their team to have that kind of exposure, their sponsors to get that kind of exposure, and they haven't made it happen. They've come close a few times but they they were not able to make it happen. So uh, we'll have to see uh, if NASCAR does make any tweaks, but I'm kind of happy with it the way it is. Andy? Yeah, and and I want to play devil's advocate for a minute here too. You know, if if we transition back to placing emphasis on points, you could in theory have a driver that doesn't win a race that wins the championship. And I know that would put everyone in an uproar. So um, Mm -hmm. I would agree. I like the format. I like the format the way it is quite honestly, you know, and and that's the thing. Once you get into the playoffs, you know, the emphasis once again is, is to win, you know, you've basically got to win, you know, you've got, you know, four races around, right. So, you know, and oftentimes we see three different winners per round. So, you know, you've, you've really got to, put the emphasis on, on trying to win races to advance and, and obviously some will point their way into the next round anyway. So I don't know. I think it works pretty good. Um, you know, I, I hate seeing, you know, good teams like Blaney and Truex even in this position, but again, you know, Sharon brings up a great point. They had 26 races to get the job done and, and it just hasn't happened. And, you know, if you, if we're having this discussion, then, you know, Really, really, what it comes down to is they they should have won before now, and I'm surprised they didn't honestly. But you know, who knows? They they've got a chance to go do it this weekend, and if if one of them wins, they both will advance to the playoffs, and then we don't have to stress over it, I guess. You know, but um, no, the format's good. I, I I will agree that there's you know some teams that really have a lot of work to do if they expect to move on, you know, deep into the playoffs. But the fact is four teams have to be eliminated after round one anyway. So, um, you know, it's just kind of the way the format works. But for now, I don't really see any issues with it. Um, And uh, we'll kind of just have to wait and see what happens this weekend. Um, 
obviously a new winner, somebody that we're not expecting would throw a, a pretty big wrench into the whole thing. Um, but um, I don't know. I guess we'll have to revisit this one next Monday. Okay, we'll see what happens at Daytona. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and make my announcement now because I suspect our next hot topic is going to take up the next half hour. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get into this. Uh, for our first-time listeners, I just want to let you know we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that means you'll hear us going off air as we're speaking mid-sentence, and that's because we are continuing to record the rest of the conversation uh, as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. So if you've listened up to this point, what I'll do is I'll come out on Twitter and Facebook and let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to the player over at com and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So, again, I didn't want anybody to be caught off guard. That's why we make this announcement at this time of the night. And, Jay, I'm going to go to you next for our next hot topic. All right, well, we might as well dive into it. Teammates, Kyle Larson, your race winner, and Chase Elliott, and I believe Chase ended up finishing fourth. There's some contact going into lap one on the final restart. Uh, some hurt feelings. Uh, was it aggressive? Was it out of line? What do we think? Okay, so, Mike, you get the first uh, comment here. Well, I want to get in front of this because I want to make it abundantly, beyond a question, uncertainly or completely and certainly clear, this is not just about Chase Elliott. All right. I think this is just the latest example of a troubling trend that we've got in NASCAR where drivers, whether in this case it was Larson versus Elliott, but we've seen it before, Briscoe versus Reddick. We've seen it in the Xfinity Series, Ty Gibbs versus the World. We've seen it in multiple layers of NASCAR throughout the duration of the season. It seems to be getting worse, where drivers are not even making even a token effort or a token effort at best to avoid contact, and it's resulting in – the term I used was a crisis of legitimacy here at this point, where it used to be – we had the plate races, the super speedways at Daytona and Talladega. And if you want to race at Daytona or Talladega, fans almost had kind of an unspoken asterisk of, well, yeah, that's obviously a win in NASCAR, but it's only at a plate track because the understanding is that these plate tracks, it's almost equal, if not more so, a matter of luck and surviving versus having the fastest car or the best strategy. And now we've added an additional, basically, restrictor plate style track at Atlanta. But now that, that survival mentality has expanded to the road courses, it's expanded to the short tracks, where it seems like more often than not, or at least more often than, than a lot of people would like to see, the eventual winner of the race is the person who survived the melee and didn't get knocked out of the way. He was the, one, the, the last person who didn't get knocked out of the way when the race ended versus the driver who had the best car or the team that had the best strategy. And is this something that NASCAR should step in and intervene in? We have the same issue that led to the development of the Gen 7 car where the concern was 
teams were spending an inordinate amount of money in engineering, and whether it was legal or illegal, and NASCAR had to step in to basically save the teams from themselves and create this Gen 7 car, which took a lot of that creative engineering out of the way because the question of legitimacy was kind of in play of, is it really the best team with the best car, or is it just the team with the deepest pockets and the biggest budget? So in the interest of maintaining the integrity of the sport, is it time for NASCAR to step in and start policing this to at least a certain degree? I don't want to see the sport become like Formula One, where you have an army of stewards who are reviewing every bit of incidental contact on the track. But I think the pendulum has swung a little bit too far in the other direction in NASCAR, where the, the, the legitimacy of races is, is, is in question because there is no regard for anyone else on the racetrack, and it becomes a matter of survival to get to the end as opposed to using actual skill, racecraft, discipline in order to win a race, and that's my concern. Okay. The original post does say, does Chase Elliott have a legitimate beef with Larson? And then I gave a couple of uh, uh, YouTube videos that showed, uh, you know, some situations with Chase. So that is the topic. You added in this other legitimacy thing, uh, Mike. But, Andy, what are your thoughts about does Chase Elliott have a legitimate beef with Larson? Well, I think we have to go all the way back to, I believe it was Fontana this year, where um, the two drivers made contact racing for the lead, um, and that was Larson's fault. And then we look at yesterday in which Larson ran Elliott off pretty wide in turn one, which was, again, Larson's fault. So the short answer is, yeah, there is some beef there because that's, you know, more than one example in which uh, Larson has impacted Elliott's race. So I would not blame him for being frustrated. Um, specifically yesterday, it wasn't it wasn't as if, you know, Larson dive-bombed him and spun him out. He ran him off the track. He ran him wide. Um, I It's kind of tough for me to say whether or not that was a legitimate move, but I think when you're, you know, coming down to a few laps to go on a restart, you're probably going to run someone wide or, you know, maybe create a little bit of contact to try to, to win the race. And where it gets sticky, though, is that's a teammate, and this isn't the first time this has happened this year. So, Obviously, if you're Chase Elliott, you're going to be frustrated because your teammate's done this more than once. So maybe, you know, this is a situation where Hendrick Motorsports needs to sit these guys down and make sure all is well because you certainly don't want bad blood carrying into the playoffs. Um, and, and in Chase's case, I think he thinks they're going to start at Bristol this week. <laughs> so um, I had seen something about that. It's pretty funny, actually. But so, yeah, I think. I think there's certainly some frustration there, you know, on Chase's part, and I get that. Um, that being said, you know, obviously we've seen, I think you may have posted an example, Sharon, where, you know, apparently it was okay for the nine to just punt Reddick out of the way with one or two laps to go. You know, so some of these guys need to learn that, you know, if if they're going to dish it, they got to be able to take it, you know, and I think – most of the field hasn't learned that yet for some reason, um, you know, but I, I can see where the frustration comes in. You know, I mean, that was what I thought. And I think a lot of people thought was going to be, 
you know, a sure a sure win for the nine team that that got taken away in the closing laps. But, um, you know, I I don't really know that Larson did anything blatantly wrong, but certainly raced his teammate pretty hard and ran him off the track, plain and simple there. But um, I don't know. You know, we'll see what what happens. But I don't think there's any feud. I don't think there's any long-term ill effects from this. I'm guaranteeing that this will be all smoothed over probably before they go back racing at Daytona next week. So we'll, um, we'll have to see how things go. But I, I, I can understand the frustration on Chase's part for sure. I, you know, a win was effectively taken away because of the, loo- the move that the five car put on him. Okay. Uh, I have a couple of points to make on this, and one is that Chase Elliott has every reason to be upset that he didn't win that race. He has every reason to be upset uh, that his teammate, uh, you know, was aggressive with him in that first turn. That's what happens. And my thing is, uh, you know, I posted several examples of where Chase Elliott was aggressive on the track with other people. I think if it wasn't his teammate, it probably would not have bothered him as much as the fact that it was his teammate. Uh, I think he had he, – he saw what Chase Elliott did in the Xfinity Series race – or not Chase Elliott, but Kyle Larson did in the Xfinity Series race where he told he told the drivers, don't worry, I'm here, I'm going to push you. Uh, and and he kind of expected that the, he was going to have that same attitude in the Cup Series race. But there's a difference. Kyle Larson's not racing for points in the or for wins in the Xfinity Series necessarily. If he doesn't get the win in the Xfinity Series, it's it's not a big deal. Uh, but if he gets that win in the Cup Series, that is a very big deal. And all of the drivers, I don't care who they are, all of the drivers have said, I had to do it because it was the only way I was going to win. We heard Kyle Larson say that then. We heard Chase Elliott say it at Atlanta uh, when he shoved a couple of people out of the way so that he could get the win. So um, I, I do think that the move is very similar to what he did to Martin Truex Jr. at Atlanta. The difference is that there was a wall there for Martin Truex Jr. There was no wall there for Chase Elliott. So that's the only difference between those two moves. So I think that if Chase Elliott, I I think one of the reasons, uh, I think one of the reasons that Chase Elliott gave a very professional interview, even though it was quite obvious that he was irritated, uh, is because number one, when he went over to talk with uh, Rick Hendrick and and uh, Jeff Gordon, I'm guessing I don't know what they said, but I'm guessing that they probably said, "Let's keep this internal. Let's not make let's not air our grievance publicly. We'll take care of this on Monday uh, when we have our competition meeting." Uh, that could be one reason, but I think the other reason is Chase Elliott knows darn well that he would have done the same thing if the shoe was on the other foot. He would have done exactly the same thing if the shoe was on the other foot. He's done it. Uh, So I'm not speculating when I say that. He's done it. So um, the difference is that, and this frustrated me when it happened at Atlanta, and I didn't get a chance to bring it up on our Hot Topics, but when Ross Chastain does those things, 
he is a really bad guy for doing those things. But when Chase Elliott, who is the most popular driver in NASCAR, does those things, nobody says a word. (laughs) They don't say a word about it. So that's the difference. And I do think that there's some favoritism that happens in that regard. All of the drivers are doing it right now uh, to get those wins. We've heard multiple drivers say exactly the same thing. And if you listen to the Watkins Glen post-race interview from Kyle Larson and you listen to the post-race interview from uh, Chase Elliott at Atlanta, they're saying almost exactly the same thing. So my thing is don't be aggressive and then fault others for being aggressive, which he didn't do. He didn't fault uh, Kyle Larson at all. I knew he was irritated. He has every right to be irritated. He thought he had that win. I get that. I understand the disappointment and the frustration with that. But I think one of the reasons that he didn't do it, say anything as well, whether or not Rick Hendrick and Jeff Gordon told him to keep it internal, I think that Chase Elliott knows that he's done the same thing and would have done the same thing. That's why he he also said <laughs> congratulations. He got the win for Hendrick, and that's what's important. So um, did they get the one-two uh, finish? No. Uh, but uh, all of the drivers are doing that this year. It's not just one. Is it my favorite way to watch a race win? No. But that seems to be the accepted standard these days. So I think that uh, Chase Elliott didn't say anything because he knows darn well. He's, he does the same thing and would have done the same thing. Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to try and build on a lot of that, Sharon. You and I are on the same page with that. First off, uh, this wasn't what I would call even a bump and run. Uh, You know, Kyle was on the inside, locked up the brakes, was trying to turn the car, whether teammates to the outside or not. I mean, you know, he and whether he went in too deep and, you know, had to get on the brakes that hard or they locked up. But he was trying to make the corner. It wasn't a yeah, it wasn't a bonsai, I'm going to run over you to get to the front. He was trying to keep it off him. They made contact. It pushed Chase Elliott a little high. Um, so, And I, I fully understand Chase's frustration, again, whether it's teammate or not, but what goes around comes around. Like you said, you know, he's been in that position. It's happened. When Denny Hamlin, back at Martinsville, drove him the rear end of the car was up in the air chase had no opportunity to even try and recover it wasn't that kind of hit um you know we've seen you mentioned chastain he's had a couple there where that's yeah it's just an absolute run into run over um and i'm not in favor of the run over i don't mind the bump and Mm -hmm. give a little nudge and i don't even view that as this it just the car it didn't turn he couldn't hold it down there slid up um, to start with, and he, he showed it. I know this guy, there was no burnout. He, he was not overly exuberant in victory lane. He was very mellow. He said he was sorry, you know. Um, so I see it as a huge difference between some of the other comparisons. The reason I say this is the it's Chase Elliott, and we just talked about it in the previous one. Think about the Daytona 500. Austin Sindrick went up to block Ryan Blaney, who doesn't have a win yet now. That story didn't develop like this one has. That was between teammates. That was a push, you know, it's the Daytona 500. You know, it's a race win. And this one was huge when you look at playoff points. Um, They talked about this on Race Hub today. 
Chase Elliott had 25 points. He wins that. He goes to 30. Kyle Larson's at 8. That's 22-point difference. It's now 25 to 13. It's only 12-point difference. That is very important, you know, if it comes down to it. So there's a lot to it. Do I think NASCAR needs to step in on any of it? No, I do not. And I'll talk about that uh, on round two, and that's going to pertain to a particular driver in Ross Chastain. (laughs) Okay, Mike, your follow-up. Sharon, you brought up an interesting statement from from Kyle Larson this weekend. And if it was just this weekend and it was just these two drivers, I would say, yeah, it's an isolated racing thing. I don't think Kyle Larson did anything necessarily wrong per se. I don't think Chase Elliott was exceptionally wronged per se. It was a racing incident. But the, the, the statement that you brought up where Kyle Larson said, I felt like I had to do it in order to win. We hear it repeated over and over and over again from multiple different drivers, not just Kyle Larson, not just Chase Elliott. You brought up those two examples. We also heard it from Ross Chastain when he took out A.J. Allmendinger and Alex Bowman at Coda. We heard it from Chase Briscoe when he took out Tyler Reddick at Bristol. We heard it from uh, Joey Logano at Indianapolis. He didn't win. Logano didn't win the race, but they're all saying the same thing. I felt like I had to do it in order to not have it happen to me. And that's kind of the cultural thing that I was bringing up in my first statement of we've created this culture where drivers feel like they have to make contact. They have to knock the other guy out of the way and not actually pass them, legitimately pass them with a faster race car or a better strategy. They feel like they have to make the contact, the overly aggressive move, that they know is going to result in contact between them and another driver out there. I get it. Racing is a contact sport. Incidents happen from time to time. But I think the change that has happened over the past year, maybe two years, is the consequence has gone way down, especially with the Gen 7 car being as durable as it is. Drivers know that they're most likely not going to cut a tire by making contact with somebody. The car is going to bounce off the other, the other car or the wall, and there's going to be very little long-term consequence. So these drivers are taking chances and making contact and ruining other people's days because they legitimately believe that if they don't do it to somebody else, it's going to get done to them, and they're not necessarily wrong. So that's the cultural issue that I think NASCAR needs to step in and get ahead of. I don't know. I don't Like I said, I don't want to see Formula One-style policing with, with all the stewards and every bit of contact being reviewed. However... I think this cultural issue of I had to make contact with the other driver and knock them out of the way, I think that needs to be addressed because if we're talking about it over and over and over again every single week or every other week, it it, it begins to become a problem of is this legitimate racing or is this just sports entertainment where whoever doesn't get wrecked the worst ends up being the winner of the race. And I think that's the cultural thing that needs to be addressed. Okay, Andy? You know, that that is interesting, and, and I definitely see your point on that, you know, Mike, as far as, you know, not wanting to, you know, see, you know, dive bombs and, and whatnot, you know, people taking each other out to, to win races. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know how, you know, we police this, though. Obviously, I would agree 100%. I, I think that Formula One is, is way too... Um, over-policed as far as things like track limits and contact and whatnot. I don't want to see it go that way because that's pretty lame in my opinion. 
um, the way that that's policed. Um, that being said, I would agree also that, you know, this trend that we've seen in particular this season where, you know, apparently it's okay to just run someone over to try to win a race. I don't really like that either. Um, I don't really know what the fine line is, though. You know, I don't know really how you police that or, or try to enforce it. Um, other than the drivers doing it themselves, you know, I think that, you know, some of these overly aggressive drivers, you know, like, you know, you mentioned the Bristol dirt race, you know, with Briscoe and then Chastain and Logano, some of these guys maybe need to be put in their place. And, you know, maybe, you know, having that happen a time or two will will help these guys learn, you know, maybe maybe I need to back it down a little bit. And by doing so, maybe we won't see these overly aggressive moves that, that we've seen this year, um, you know, especially with Chastain, who does it pretty much every week. So, um, you know, maybe that's the direction that the sport needs to go in is this maybe some self-policing and trying to, you know, send some messages to some of these guys that, you know, maybe it's time to tone it down a little bit, and, and maybe we'll see things calm down, and th- this won't be such a big storyline that it has become. And, and you know that it's if if this continues, it will have playoff implications. Um, you know, coming up in the not so distant future. So we'll see what happens. But you know, I, I would agree. I'd I'd like to see it toned down a bit. We seem to be having this discussion, you know, about something dumb that someone's done every single week, and and hopefully this trend goes the other direction. Yes, indeed. Um, A couple of things. One thing I forgot to mention earlier in my first round here is that one thing you got to remember, too, is Chase, uh, Kyle Larson had Joey Logano and A.J. Allmendinger in his rearview mirror. Joey Logano will do whatever he has to do to win a race. You know he's going to be aggressive. So what are you going to do? You're going to wait for him to be aggressive and and, – take over the the lead or are you going to uh be on the offense and be the aggressor first and i i agree with jay as well i don't think kyle larson intended uh to hit uh chase elliott or cause him any harm at all he did he he went in too deep trying to be aggressive because he knew he had Joy Logano and uh, A.J. Allmendinger in his rearview mirror, and that's what happened. It was a racing incident. Uh, I don't think it was something that he did purposely. I thought both of them gave very professional interviews afterwards. Uh, yeah, you could tell Chase Elliott was a little bit ticked uh, and being sarcastic, but um, I think they did what they were asked to do, and that is to keep it internal. Uh, and you're right. Uh, NASCAR's left it up. He's ever since we heard the term "boys have at it." Uh, NASCAR knows that that creates drama, that gets people talking, uh, that creates a buzz. So that's good for the sport. Uh, like it or not, that's what's good for the sport because it, it makes people want to tune in next week to see what's going to happen or to find out when the retaliation is going to happen. Um, I think if Chase Elliott really looks at it, I think he's going to realize uh, that it wasn't something that uh, Kyle Larson did intentionally. It was a racing incident. He knew he had to be aggressive. Chase Elliott would have felt he had to be aggressive, too, with Joey Logano and A.J. Allmendinger in his rearview mirror. Um, So is there a culture right now where anything goes on the last lap? Yes, there is. 
I've been complaining about it for a long time because it's not the way I really want to see races end. Uh, but NASCAR is not doing anything about it. Uh, I think they're counting on the teams to temper their drivers. I think they're counting on the drivers to temper each other. We're seeing that happen with Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain, we don't want him to lose that drive he has for winning. It's the same with Noah Gregson. We don't want to see him lose his drive to win, but they have to temper themselves. And that's what the other drivers are trying to get that point across to some of these other drivers that are kind of on a learning curve. So um, I don't think, I don't think that uh, Kyle Larson did anything wrong. Uh, I think Chase Elliott has every right to be disappointed and frustrated with the situation. Um, And I think that uh, once they sit down at their competition meeting, uh, they'll look at the uh, video footage, and I think they're going to come to the same conclusion, and they'll be okay going forward. Yes, it's happened twice at Fontana and again at Watkins Glen, uh, but – Again, uh, I, I've got, I'll have to go back and look at Fontana again, but I know in this case I don't think Kyle Larson did it intentionally. So, and I don't think he would do it intentionally to a teammate. <clears throat> Jay, you get the final word. Well, you guys hit on on several things, but a couple I've got a couple of new things. Um, first, you just mentioned the uh, Fontana deal. That was one where Larson admitted he drifted up the track, did not know Chase Elliott was there and had that good a run, was to his outside. Okay. He fully acknowledged go. that, um, you know, that, that that was one where he just didn't realize he was on his outside. We've talked about Ross oh, Chastain. Another point. Go okay, ahead, Okay, go ahead. I just thought of another point I wanted to make. One thing that Chase Elliott needs to also uh, take into consideration um, and this is what my complaint is with Chase Elliott, is that he made a strategic mistake when he chose the outside line instead of the inside line. He basically opened the door for Chase Elliott to take that inside line and to do exactly what he did. So I think that that has to be taken into consideration, too. He could have made a different strategic move at that point of the race as well. Okay, James. I'm sorry. No, that was and that was a good point. I know that got discussed to the from the Xfinity race. It appeared the outside outside line was the better line, but you do open that door. The one thing here that it seems like everybody's saying is though it's a this year or the last year or two cultural change. The phrase "I'd wreck my grandmother to win a race" goes back to <laughs> Richard Petty, Cale Yarbrough, Daryl Waltrip, Dale Earnhardt, and that was when. It was about consistency for championship, not just winning one race or, you know, to move on. So that's not a new thing. That is a racer's mentality um, as it comes down. Does NASCAR need to step in? They do when it's necessary. Ross Chastain built himself a reputation. Some drivers handled it. Now, when they got carried away and were handling it through an entire race, NASCAR said, hey, knock it off. Joey Logano needed to be taught a lesson. Matt Kenseth said, I'll teach you that lesson. Did it in a bad way? Um, well, my opinion did it in a great way. He took only Joey Logano out, but NASCAR said, hey, that was across the line. You're out for two races. So it'll take care of itself. NASCAR will step in when it is necessary, um, but they don't need to be involved in every touching of cars or paint scrapes and, and everything else. 
because the drivers will take care of that themselves. And if they're smart, they realize the implications of it. Uh, I heard, I want to say the first win at Michigan, maybe. Kevin Harvick mentioned that of, I've learned from having the feud with Chase Elliott going into the playoffs before. I don't want that again. I'm letting everything go and focusing on winning the championship so I don't have to worry about who I got to avoid. I, I was really impressed to hear Harvick say that. He realizes how that kind of uh, might have derailed his season. So these drivers are going to have to learn that for themselves one way or the other, whether it be Chastain, Logano. Uh, I guarantee you Logano's got a few coming from some drivers, whether he realizes it or not. Um, I'm with Sharon, and I know, Mike, you said you, you don't think it is all about Chase Elliott. I really feel it is, and I've been on that side of it. I was a Jeff Gordon fan. You mentioned Jeff Gordon being put into the playoffs when uh, some shenanigans happened. I wasn't a big fan of that. I was a fan of Jeff Gordon, but I didn't, wasn't a fan of him being added, even though I felt he deservedly needed to be in it. goes back to what Sharon said, and I don't know, Sharon, if you listen to Dave Moody, I know that he tells callers that all the time when they talk about one last wild card or whatever. You've had 26 races to get a win. You didn't do it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, we'll let that be the last word, and uh, uh, we probably should start our roundtable at this point. Uh, Mike, we'll let you start for the roundtable. Uh, sure, it's Mike underscore Zill on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. I guess I'll have to get to some more on Thursday. I should be available. Uh, I at least it's currently the way my schedule works. I should be available Thursday so we can talk about Project 91 and whatever other good hot topics we've got to talk about. I look forward to talking to you then. Okay, great. Uh, next up is Andy. Uh, CB14 fan on Twitter, and uh, same for me. I should be back Thursday, and uh, I'm sure there will be plenty to talk about. Uh, looking forward to that and looking forward to talking about uh, Daytona this weekend. Okay, Jay. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman. You can see some videos of the 50-some hours I just spent at uh, Streets Talk Nationals. I'm going to talk some more about that tomorrow night with Chris Crichton. Uh, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And hopefully maybe Thursday. I know there's been a lot more scuttlebutt. We'll be talking about some driver changes or more news on that. And preview in Daytona. Uh, that's amazing. Daytona, we're going to have hot topics going into Daytona because of what could happen that we've been talking about here of who wins and who gets out. Okay. Uh, Daytona, hot topics? Nah. No way. <laughs> you know there's going to be a whole bunch of hot topics after Daytona next week. Uh, it is going to be exciting. Uh, but we also will have some news, as Jay points out, coming up this Thursday for our Thursday night show, starting at 8.30 p.m. when we preview uh, the upcoming races at Daytona. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Also, I believe there's some races out at Portland, not Portland. There's an ARCA race. Um, let me check real quick where that is. There's an ARCA race on the 28th, and that's at the Milwaukee Mile this weekend as well. So uh, that's going to be three series, the ARCA Menard Series, the ARCA East, as well as the Sioux Cheap Showdown. One race, three different points opportunities uh, for uh, that race on Sunday, August the 28th. 
So uh, we'll have a lot to talk about on Thursday night's show, uh, as well as the hot topics, and uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we did have Tanner Wright on the show with us uh, tonight. He is driver of the number nine uh, team for Sunrise Racing, and he won the 1,000th race for the Arca West uh, this weekend out at Evergreen Speedway. So it was an interesting uh, conversation with him. If you get a chance, go back uh, to the 9:30 half hour, which is the third, uh, yeah, the third half hour of the show, and uh, hear what he had to say. And uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk to him again before the season is out. Um, and uh, a big thanks uh, to our listeners for tuning in, whether you're listening to the podcast or the live broadcast. We appreciate you taking time out to hear what we have to say. And also to our fan for racing crew, Sal Segala, Mike uh, Orzel, Andy Lasky, and Jay Huseman. Uh, really appreciate you guys uh, and all that you can contribute to our Hot Topic conversation as well as our uh, review and preview shows. And uh, definitely looking forward to our Thursday night show at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time right here on Bamper Racing Radio. And with that, I think we're ready to call it a night, guys. Yeah, we're good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. Talk to you Thursday. Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.